then the delegation of Mpumalanga provincial government should be like this. MEC Manzini, I'm checking the roll call you are here. Say yes, MEC Manzini, I'm here. So you must expect to be at two o'clock. Eh. Other it's not gonna be dead, but she's just gonna. MEC Manzini, say yes, you are here, and she's busy on the phone. MEC Manzini. Yeah, yes, I'm here. Yes, I'm here. And you must tell I was the first one to come in, remember. I want you to confirm now that you are here. The meeting is about to start. Oh, I'm here. I'm and here, tell I'm all here, those I'm other...
He's having a, he's committed somewhere. So he won't, he's in Mahikeng doing work. Then uh, the other apology that I have, I'm opening it. Shirin, help me. The second one is from DM Tawe as well. I've already dealt with the one of the premier. And then there's uh, an apology from the minister as well, Chairperson. And from the minister as well. So, and Councillor Stofile, he won't be in, but then there is the COO, the provincial chairperson, welcome, uh, Councillor Shiro. It's here. And then also Ugulanga was the provincial director of operation. And then Sisi Wegomba, the senior advisor. So basically, that's what we are having. So under the circumstances, I should think then we need to start with this uh, meeting. I want to welcome you all. Uh, the leader of the delegation, Honorable Matlangu, and your other fellow colleagues, there are four, you are five in number. I think that is a sizable number of delegates today, which we, we appreciate. Tonight, we are going to deal with the COVID-19 report of your provincial government of Mpumalanga. Among the notable things in the report is that there has been 21,513 recoveries out of the 23,331 diagnosed cases of COVID-19 in the province. This translates to a recovery rate of 92% which is higher than the national recovery rate of 82%. It is also remarkable that there are no quarantine cases and that all quarantine sites are empty, despite uh, the province being at the borderline of these other international uh, countries like our neighbors, Mozambique and, North, and Zimbabwe on the other side, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the only issues that deals with the quarantine stasis are the ones that are activated by National Department of Public Works and Infrastructure to accommodate 44 repatriates from Mozambique. We should say, MEC Matlangu and team, these are commendable milestones towards flattening the epidemic curve and delaying the peak in the province. Nevertheless, it's unfortunate that all the good work done to contain the virus is losing its shine due to the allegations of corruption around the use of COVID-19 funds. Not a single provincial government remains untainted in this regard. And you all know, colleagues, Mpumalanga is no exception. The premier 
is on record announcing the appointment of an independent team of investigators to probe the three provincial departments in relation to inequitable distribution of COVID-19 resources to a limited group of entities. However, we should think we need to uphold this bold move by the Premier and would like to urge the Premier to go a step further and publish the details of the COVID-19 related contract, including the value, the nature of goods supplied and the name of the suppliers. We would also like to encourage the province to subject this to the provincial internal audit to identify possible irregularities. The provincial Department of Health alone, MEC Manzini, accounts for 1.5 billion of the funds allocated for COVID-19 in the province. These are very large sums of money and temptation to abuse are inevitable. That is why it is important to account for every rent and cent to ensure that the maleficence is detected and punished. Another area of concern relates to the 249 schools in the province that are experiencing sanitation challenges. This number for us is unacceptably high, especially in the context of COVID-19 and the reopening of the schools. This is something we feel the province has the sufficient opportunity to address while the nurse is still at home. These are the few observations that I wanted to make in setting the scene for our engagement with the Mpumalanga delegation. I trust that you will receive our inputs in their intended spirit of assisting the province to take stock of the COVID-19 milestones and effect improvement where there are shortcomings. I don't know what are you going to do, MEC Noramatangu. I believe you're going to make the introductory remarks and allow your other colleagues to input on their area of work. As you say, uh, we got your presentation yesterday. My apologies. <coughs> but we have observed a trend of then some documents that we came in later today. And then we must then tell you, you will have to talk to those documents. You know the rules of parliament in terms of the virtual meetings. You need to submit documents within 24 hours. Anything that sub submitted after the 24-hour deadline, always view it as for information purposes. And then if members happen to ask issues on those documents, it's not that um, they are ignorant. It's a virtue that, that given their hectic schedule, they might have not gone through those documents because they came after the 24-hour deadline. So whenever you want to make presentation and the, you know which documents have been sent late, you rather raise the issues as contained in the documents so that uh, you will take our members on board. But nevertheless, let me hand over to you, leader of delegation, MEC Makrangu. 
So you, you have 20 minutes to do the, the entire provincial presentation so that you afford uh, members an opportunity to interact with you. Uh, some of, of our members have taken keen interest. They've been observing all your provincial command concerns, media briefings. So there wouldn't be anything that is new for them, but it's, we felt as the committee, as the lead committee responsible for the lead water management, we need to interact with you. Though Honorable Kadebe will raise the concern, the apology of the minister just say unforeseen circumstances. Because since we started here, uh, the apology that we normally appreciate is when somebody is ill-disposed or somebody so incapacitated to come to the meeting. But then we hope maybe another reason that we still have to reconvene you in the future date for the Premier to be available herself, to be accountable for some of the things I know MEC Matangu, you might have not been briefed on, or you might not have answers, but let me hand over to you, and yeah, we proceed with the meeting in that fashion. Over to you, MEC Matlangu. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee on COPTA, Honorable Mutambi, Honorable Members of Parliament, members of the Executive Council from Pumalanga and the officials, Lochani. So that's MEC, can I interject you? MEC, can yes, you see her? Any colleagues, can you see her? Or oh, she's cut, you only, you don't see her forehead, am I right? Is it? Yeah, you can see the face. It's much she better very, But now she's dark, she was very clear before that.
public health care facilities screenings, private health care facilities screenings. The province has conducted a total of 133,531 COVID-19 tests. The Mpumalanga province has recorded a total of 23,331 positive COVID-19 cases. A total of 21,513 people have recovered from COVID-19 in the province. These represent a recovery rate of 92%, with the province only having 1,407 active cases, which represent 6% of the total number of cases reported in the province. It shows that Mpumalanga is trying to manage the COVID-19. Furthermore, in the period under discussion, the Mpumalanga province has recorded 330 COVID-19-related deaths. The majority of deaths were recorded in Herzibande district, with 156 of the 330 total deaths. The following sub-district recorded their highest number of the deaths, which is Lekwa municipality, Steve Chuete, and Emalathin. In the Epidemiological Week 35, from the 16th to 23 August 2020, the province recorded an average of 284 new cases per day. This represents a decrease of 53 compared to the average number uh, of daily cases for Week 32, where we recorded 307 cases. These statistics are evidence of the fact that provinces passed its peak, which was projected to be between mid to end July 2020. This also shows that our health system has not only flattened the curve of infections, but is continuing to effectively manage the pandemic. Without waste of your time, Chairperson, I heard that you are giving us only 20 minutes Allow me to request the HODs, starting from the Department of Health and followed by the Department of DCS, GSD, I mean, and COPTA. Allow me to request them to give us a presentation on how far are we as the province with the COVID-19. Ten percent. Ten percent. Amie, Amie, Amie. Can we? Where is the DG of the province? DG, Where's are you in? Where is the DG of the province? I'm not so sure. DG, are you in? Because in the delegation list that I'm given, I don't see the DG of the province. It can't be that the premier is not here. Even the DG of the province is not here. So I'll let so I'll hand over because this presentation was supposed to be done. Can you mute your microphone, uh, MEC Matang? When you do that, you need to get the whereabouts of the DG from the premier. We can't accept this. 
So which issue is delegated to present? Can I hand over to that HOD while we're checking the whereabouts of the DG? Over to the HOD that the MEC said must make the presentation. May I start with the HOD for health? Okay. And mute okay. your microphone then. And yes. As you do that, introduce yourself, HOD for health. Then we'll take it from there. Thank you. And continue with the presentation. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson, uh, Honorable Members, Honorable MECs. Uh, I am uh, Severa Mahangi, and I am the head of the Department of Health in Pumalanga province. Um, I'm going to do the presentation. I have the presentation that's here for health. Um, I don't have a combined presentation that the chairperson made note of, so I'll do the presentation for health. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to share the screen or I will just present and somebody would will put the presentation up. It's best we do it for you. And okay. Can you do that? Can you do that? And the person is better when they do it because there's often a lag between myself okay. and the presenter. Okay. HOD, can you do All right. If, I can, if I'm allowed to share. Yes, please share. Okay. not allowing me to share. Okay, I'm going to share it now. Can you see my screen? All right. Thank you. This is the outline of my presentation, Honorable Chairperson. It's on yes. slideshow. Click on slideshow. Yes. Thank you so much. All right. So my purpose is to, to appraise our portfolio committee on corporate governance and traditional affairs on the status of the COVID preparedness and progress made by the Department of Health and to seek advice on how we can improve on plans to manage this pandemic. I'm not going to go through the introduction because um, uh, our Honorable MEC Mashlangu has done that already. Um, our coordination as well, we said that after the first case of COVID-19 in the province, which was on the 11th of March, we had the Provincial Joint Operations Committee, the Provincial Command Council that was also activated, and we had the District and Local Joint Operation Command Councils that were activated. In the department itself, we had the Provincial Incident Management Committees that had nine subcommittees, and these were also established at the district level with nine subcommittees as well. These committees meet on a daily basis to review the progress, and then our strategies and interventions are then presented to the Prof. Jock as well as the Command Council. The Premier has also appointed an advisory committee of clinical experts that advises on our strategies and the plans of the province. In terms of the community screening and testing, our Honourable Chairperson as well as the Honourable MEC has gone into detail about it, but we did start it on the 8th of April and it was launched by the Honourable Premier. We used the 6,119 community healthcare workers that were already working in the department and they conducted the screenings in the households in all our municipalities. We also contracted 520 unemployed nursing assistants who assisted in the teams and augmented them. Our partners, which was Broadreach and Right to Care, also contracted 265 community health workers to supplement our teams. In addition, we established teams that were also at the roadblocks uh, who assisted in with SAPs at the borders of our province. 
We, together with the partners, we had developed an app to collect the screening information, uh, and this was also launched by the Honorable Premier. This option also allowed the community members to be able to do self-screening because some of them didn't want the community health workers uh, to come into their houses. The app that we launched is called the CIF Noba Sinsonke app, uh, and it's under the slogan of Mpumalanga Cares and So Do I. This is a picture of our technical command center where we have the teams that are sitting, um, the, the clinical activity coordinators, the community screening, the contact tracing, as well as our communications as well. The Honorable MEC Mashlangu has gone into details in terms of the community screening that we have done. Um, our projections as, uh, as per the slide, in Bushpark Ridge, by tomorrow we should be finished all our screening, in Bombela by the 6th of September, in Kumasi by today it should have been finished, and Tabachue on the 18th of September. Uh, this just goes into detail, Honorable Chairperson, in each of the districts, um, by the local municipality, by when we plan to be finished with the total screening. Uh, this is for in Kangala and um, our facility screening and testing report. In terms of Eshlan Zeni, um, we have done 1,377,000 community screening. In our hospitals, we screened 468,000. In our PHC facilities, 829. Other screening means like roadblocks, our taxi ranks, as well as to the malls where we had some of the uh, uh, cases. So in total, in Ishlanzeni, we screened over 2.9 million. In Khasibande, it's one over 1.7. And in Kangala, it's just over 2.1 million. So in total, in the province, we've screened 6,867,151. Honorable uh, Chairperson, you would note that this is much more than our um, population in the province. But this is because some of them have been screened twice or thrice. We have screened them also in the uh, at homes, in the malls, and at the taxi ranks may have been repeated. And also we were screening in the roadblocks. So this included people from other provinces as well um, that are maybe working in our province or passing through the province. In terms of the challenges that were requested, we did have a problem with low screening coverage, especially in the urban areas and our interventions where we continue to conduct the household screenings and we're targeting the hotspots. We also conducted roadblocks in the suburbs with the help of the SAPS, especially in those where they didn't want us to enter their houses. We conducted targeted screening in our high transmission areas like our retail centers and the taxi ranks. We also encouraged the communities to use the self-screening app as well as the national track and trace system to conduct the self-screening. We had inadequate transport to be able to reach the hard to reach areas like the farms, but we then started to use all the pool cars from the provincial office. Also managers that have subsidized vehicles were uh, allocated areas where they could coordinate people that uh, our staff that use their private vehicles. We gave them approval as well to be able to use and claim. We had our school health vehicles and malaria vehicles that we then allocated to our teams. Other government departments also assisted us because it was during the lockdown and the GG vehicles were grounded. Our local government was very, assist, very helpful. They also rented vehicles to assist and also released pool vehicles. In terms of anxiety and exhaustion, the psychological support and counseling strategy was developed. In pro, we're in the process currently of appointing psychological support and counseling teams. And our teams are also working in shifts to give each other time to rest in between and also to prevent all of them being exposed to COVID and testing positive simultaneously. In terms of the statistics, Honorable Chairperson, I think you've already read out the statistics. I won't dwell much on it, but just to say that in total, um, the, the province in the public sector, we contribute 
um, 2% of the national proportion in terms of the tests done. From the private sector in the province, it's 5%. And in total, the province um, uh, adds to 4% of the national proportion of tests done. Um, currently, we have 348 that are pending, uh, but there's no backlog at the moment. In terms of the highlights, as mentioned, we have our Honorable MEC Mashlangu. Our cases are starting to decrease. We had just 273 new cases and the highest being recorded in Eshlanzeni district. It's important to note that eight of our sub-districts recorded less than 10 uh, new cases and three of them reported no cases at all. This just shows the trend in terms of the national and the provincial trend, and you can see that it is starting to decrease as well. Um, and the province overall, as mentioned by our Honorable Chairperson, we had 23,331 cases, um, uh, of which there's only 1,407 that are currently active, 21,513 have recovered. Unfortunately, we had 330 deaths, which account for 1% of our total cases. Um, I've gone through that already. Uh, if you look at it, in Kangala district was the highest with 38%, followed by Khasibande at 33%, and Eshlanzeni accounts for 28% of our cases. What's important to note is that in Kangala district is where most of our mines were concentrated, and once the mines opened, that's when we started to see most of the cases in Nkangala. Nkangala is also very close to um, uh, Gauteng, and many people live in Gauteng and work in Nkangala, and vice versa as well. So the number of cases in Nkangala is the highest at the moment. Khasibande unfortunately accounts for the majority of our hospitalizations as well as the deaths in the province. This is just going into detail, Honorable Chairperson, that gives us per local municipality in terms of the cases as well as the recoveries. In terms of the gender, you can see that most of our cases are females, um, which account for most of the cases in the, in the province. Uh, deaths, I'm not going to go into detail, I've already mentioned that. In terms of our contact tracing, we have 5,775 traces that are made up of community health workers, the enrolled nursing assistants, as well as healthcare workers. We have developed an electronic data collecting system to be able to collect the data for the contact tracing. We also have call centers with the phones that are established in all our districts. There's a national WhatsApp SMS system that the province is also using, where the, the test results are sent anonymously, as well as SMSs to the uh, contacts as well as the people that test positive. The goals of our contact tracing, I won't go into much detail, but you can see that in terms of our cases currently, um, it was 22,456 index cases. And in, we are from there, there were primary contacts as well that tested positive of 875, which gives us a total of 23,331. In terms of the challenges with contact tracing, we had a high backlog of registered specimens, but then NHLS procured the gene expert machines for the province and started testing in the province. Before that, the there was no tests that were conducted in the province itself. It was sent to Gauteng or to Limpopo. National was also engaged about the inadequate number of test kits that are allocated to the province, but that has now subsequently improved. The province also used a setting priority guide in testing the specimens in the laboratory. And we're currently also in negotiations with the private individual labs so that we can be able to contract them if the challenge of tests arise again. In terms of the high death rate, we have a death order committee that is made up of specialists that has been established and analyzing the deaths to determine the contributory factors that can be avoided and corrected. Our social behavioral strategy has been developed and it will be launched at the beginning of September to assist also in reducing deaths that are happening at home, which we picked up in our province as well. 
There was a challenge with inadequate number of traces as well. So we've allocated healthcare workers with comorbidities and those that are above 60 years so that they can be able to assist in tracing at the call centers. We've also um, busy with engagements with other provincial departments to be able to assist with staff that may have comorbidities that can assist in the call center with the tracing. We collaborate with our partners to also be able to assist in that regard. In terms of their quarantine and isolation sites, our chairperson has already mentioned that our quarantine sites are empty at the moment. But what the, what the province has done is that we've identified the state-owned quarantine facilities so that we first use our state-owned facilities. And there were four of them in the province that we used. There was also privately owned facilities that uh, we had with donors or with some of the private sector that had donated four of the facilities in Ishlanzeni. Um, as well, we have private-owned facilities that are being procured by the Department of Public Works, which we put in our um, we put our staff in, as well as the, the, the community. So in total, the state-owned facilities in the province were eight. The those that were donated were six uh, privately owned that we had uh, contracted, but we, we activated by Public Works when the need arise was 65. Uh, these are the, the list of the state-owned facilities and quarant the quarantine sites. This were the privately owned that were donated to the province. And these were the quarantine facilities that were activated by the National Department of Public Works and Infrastructure for the rep repatriation of uh, South Africans back. Um, the number of hospital beds we have in the province, just to give a, a background, we have a total in the public sector of 4,930 usable beds and in the private sector, 2,103 beds. In terms of the ICU and high care beds, um, we had a total of 24 adult and 23 neonatal ICU beds and 28 high care beds. Where when the COVID started, we activated an additional 13 uh, ICU beds and 51 high care beds. So in total, we had 31 adult and 23 neonatal. In the private hospitals, we had 136 adult beds, 71 neonatal, sorry, um, beds. Um, in terms of our bed management, we used the phased-in approach uh, because we believe that in a pandemic, this was going to be most uh, useful. We looked at the current beds available. Then we started with the decanting to be able to provide more beds. Uh, during the surge capacity, we, we looked at additional space in the hospital complex itself. Um, we didn't end up adding temporary uh, field beds because we had enough at that time. We looked at our facilities that were underutilized and we also renovated them during that time. In terms of our isolation, as mentioned, Barberton TB Hospital, Impungwe Hospital and Standerton TB were renovated and we were using them for isolation. These beds, especially after the management of TB was revived, um, we had low bed utilization rate. And then those patients, we moved them to other hospitals nearby, we renovated them and we were able to then use them for quarantine as well. Uh, the isolation facilities in terms of the, the province, in Ishlanzeni, there's two that are currently uh, we have patients in, which is MRTT state-owned and Nutting House, which is the one that we've activated, the private one by, by the Department of Public Works. In Khasibande and in Kangala are the same. So in total, the patients that are remaining in isolation uh, in our sites are 53. Uh, in terms of hospitalization, you can see that in Rafrera, Shongwe, Temba, Tonga, Barberton, Mapulineng, um, that those are the government hospitals. We have patients that are admitted. Um, Nelspreet uh, Mediclinic, Kiat, and in Kharsibande as well, the private hospitals are where the majority of the cases are currently. In terms of government, government hospitals, um, we are having less cases and more milder cases. But those that are very critically ill and um, require more the ventilation, we are finding them more in the private hospitals because of medical aid. 
Um, in terms of additional beds and repairs as well as renovations in the province, um, as I mentioned, Barberton Hospital, we renovated our Barberton TB. Tonga Hospital, we had, we were busy with the, the, the eye ward that was going to be built, but because of COVID, we then renovated a little more and we made them into isolation facilities where we managed to get 80 beds. We did the same in most of our hospitals and in total, we managed to add 359 additional uh, isolation beds as well as 76 high care beds in our existing facilities. This is what, just I just put a few pictures, Honorable Chairperson, so you can see what it looks like. Our Barberton District Hospital, the high care unit was renovated um, and we are able to use it for COVID. Uh, Barberton TB Specialized Hospital was also renovated. Uh, the Tonga District Hospital, the one I mentioned, it was supposed to be our eye clinic, but we managed to then uh, also renovate it to be for COVID, 80 beds that are available there. This is our Bethel District Hospital. This was a brand new hospital that was built and um, was ready to be uh, opened. So what uh, we've decided is that there's 153 beds there that we'll be using for COVID if necessary, and we have the, the current patients are in our in our old hospital as well. Um, in terms of the field ICU beds as well as field hospitals, uh, our only hospital that is having a very high uh, bed utilization rate at the moment is Pomshlanga Hospital in Dr. J.S. Morocco in Kangala. The bed occupancy at that hospital is currently at 84%. So we planned to build a field hospital there so that after COVID, we could still continue to use the hospital as it is a very busy area, especially the maternity and the pediatric ward. So the material that we are using with public works uh, is not to, is not the, uh, the tents itself, but it's the IBT structures that last between 30 to 50 years. In terms of Whitbank and Ralph Reno Hospital, we also weighed the options and we know that there's going to be a shortage of the ICU beds. Even after COVID, we will still be able to use them because currently in the province, we are sending patients from the public sector to the private sector because of the shortage of ICU beds. We've managed to also recruit much more um, nurses for ICU, so these beds will be used even after COVID. In terms of the human resources, Honorable Chairperson, we did put on an open advert on the 31st of March, which was supposed to be closed, which will close at the end of September for the health professionals. And we are continuing to appoint them as and when they, uh, they, they, they apply. In terms of the appointment that is made to, from the 1st of April to the 30, 31st of July, we finalized 1,447 appointments, of which 770 were directly related to, to COVID. Um, some of them have started only in August, but uh, they were all appointed by the end of July. And we still plan to fill a further 509 posts before the end of October. In terms of psychological support, we agree that this is a very stressful environment and the fear of contracting the disease as well as infecting their families is definitely causing lots of stress for our staff as well. So we have identified the need for counselling. We have developed a provincial strategy on the psychological support for our healthcare workers. Some of our hospitals have also started to form their focus groups to be able to engage and share information and assist each other in terms of the counselling. We also provide individual counselling and we also refer them to the EAP. We are currently busy uh, uh, recruiting the psychosocial support and counseling teams so that we can be able to, to provide um, the, the counseling to our healthcare workers. We did um, advertise for the psychologists, but unfortunately there was only one that was appointed. Uh, we are also noticing, Chairperson, that our healthcare workers um, are also increasing in terms of the numbers that are infected by COVID, whether it's through uh, the, 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 the hospital or whether it's from the community as well. But in total, we have 1,131 infected cases in the public uh, sector. Currently, there's 427 that are active, 697 have recovered. Unfortunately, we also have seven deaths 
from the uh, healthcare workers in the public sector. In terms of the private sector, uh, they had 246 infected cases with 100 active and two deaths. So in total in the province, we had 1,377 healthcare workers that are affected with the 527 that are still active and nine deaths in the province. In terms of medical equipment, um, we, we have ordered uh, medical equipment. We have ordered 220, 288 ventilators. There was just three that have been delivered. And you can see that the rest of them are in various phases. The, um, the service providers have been promising us that they will be delivered soon. So the different dates are also listed there. We have also ordered the high flow uh, nasal cannulas as well. In terms of oxygen supply, we do have sufficient oxygen. Yes, there were some of our hospitals that didn't have enough, enough oxygen points. So when the COVID started, also our infrastructure was busy uh, making sure that we have enough oxygen points in our hospitals if the need arises during the COVID out, uh, surge. In terms of our communication strategy, we do have a social behavioral strategy that we have developed. We also have two radio slots where we twice a month for 15 minutes on our local radio stations. We have on the different radio stations on different days as well. Uh, we also have on all our community radio stations where we are updating on a weekly basis um, to the community. We have the health education platform once, uh, once a week via the Facebook live pages where we are giving radio jingles as well and health promoted issues. Uh, we have in partnership with our Mpumalanga News Online to cover issues about health. Um, we have our social media that we are also very busy with as well. In terms of infection prevention and control, we have installed all the hand sanitizers of the provincial and district offices as well as all our institutions. We have also, uh, during the peak, we had suspended all the visiting hours for the duration of the lockdown. The elective operations were also cancelled to be rescheduled at a later date so that we could make sure that the beds were available. There are still four ambulances that were identified in the three districts uh, for COVID cases specifically. In terms of the provision of PPEs, Honorable Chairperson, this is what the national picture looks like. And you can see that in terms of Mpumalanga, we don't have a shortage of uh, PPEs in the province itself. Also, in terms of the, the forecast by the National Department, in terms of the current availability versus the forecast, uh, in Pumalanga, we seem to be fine. We don't seem to be having much shortages that we will experience in the future. Um, we, we, we're managing our, our PPEs. Um, we do the daily stock monitoring and we are reporting to both the provincial, all the institutions at the, and the depot report to the provincial as well as the National Department of Health. We are also rationalizing the distribution of PPEs so that we don't have hoarding or misuse by the facilities. We distribute our PPEs even outside the delivery schedule if there are any shortages that have been reported or envisaged. We do have a, a buffer stock that we are preparing for the province to avoid any total stockout of PPEs as per the NICD uh, guidelines. In terms of the forensic pathology sites and the general mortuaries, um, you can see in terms of forensic pathology, we have 504 uh, capacity, uh, the, the trays. In our hospital mortuaries, there's 411, and in the private mortuaries, there are 187. In terms of the shelves and chambers, there's 1,102 in the province. The challenges that have been experienced, yes, there's a shortage of critical care uh, beds. We, as I mentioned, we have uh, two... Uh, uh, hospitals in the progress at Rock Ferreira and Woodbank in terms of the, the so-called field hospitals for ICU. We're also upgrading one of our standard wards in Ermelo Regional Hospital so that we can be able to nurse critical care patients. We are activating high care beds in district hospitals where there are existing infrastructure currently, for example, Barberton Hospital, the picture that I showed. In terms of shortage of personnel, we've advertised. 
We've also issued advert for the retired nurses uh, and health professionals, but with the risk of COVID, we are now not using them. We also looked at unemployed health professionals in different categories. We also appointed high ICU staff that are dedicated for the critical care unit specifically, and we're doing the appointments in batches as we receive applications. In terms of the incorrect use of PPEs and also the, the staff demand for PPEs outside the current guidelines, we are doing continuous training on the PPEs to the staff so that they can understand the, the different levels of care and the, the use of the different levels of PPE as well. We also have engagements with organized labor so that we improve the messaging and our daily reports on PPEs from the hospitals are also sent to organized labor so that they can be mon able to monitor daily as well and be, keep us away if there's any challenges they have and as well that they know that they are in the different institutions. Uh, we also have been sending out circulars on a regular basis in terms of the correct PPEs. In terms of the shortage of equipment, I have mentioned that we have procured additional equipment. We are waiting for delivery. We also have had donations from some of the mining and business sector. In terms of our stakeholders, Honorable Chairperson, we have launched a clinic-based model that is being rolled out to all our PHC facilities that seeks to ensure that all the essential healthcare services are being rendered in the midst of the COVID-19. And the key stakeholders were that we are... Uh, using as well in terms of the containment teams of the model in preventing the spread, our traditional leaders, our traditional healers, the faith-based organization as well as the taxi industry. We're working very closely with our municipalities, our private sector mining houses, um, the Minerals Council, etc., as well as the development partners and other sector departments. Currently, this model has been rolled out to 78 of our PHC facilities and it will be rolled out even further. In terms of the finance, um, the Honorable Chairperson has also mentioned that we have the 1.5 billion. Um, in terms of NDOH, you can see that the assumptions when it first started um, based on the population and based on uh, what the projections were, the National Department uh, projected that the, the province, the Department of Health will need about 4.5 billion. But in terms of our allocation, as mentioned, we have the 1.5 billion, which is made up of the voted funds, which is the 1.2 billion. And then the conditional grant, our current HIV and AIDS grant, was reprioritized. Um, so there was 220 million that is made available. We did receive 33 million from the Provincial Disaster Relief Grant, which was given to us in March, and we are then requested for the rollover to this to the new year because there was no way we could be able to spend that money in those last two weeks. And from the department itself, we also reprioritized 90 million. In terms of how the, the, the 1.5 has been allocated, um, this is the itemized budget, Honorable uh, Chairperson, that was presented to the Budget and Finance. So in conclusion, the initial social distancing and lockdown measures have definitely worked in the province. Our epidemic curve has flattened and the peak has been delayed, um, or we have passed the peak. The extensions, the lockdown to the five weeks have probably also limited the additional impact on the curve. So according to the last projections, we are likely to have our peak in the end of August, but we think that we have passed it or mid-September as per the national uh, projections. So it is in all our hands, Honorable Chairperson, because together we can beat COVID-19. We are recommending that the Portfolio Committee take note of our presentation and also provide guidance and advice to us how we can improve the plans in combating this, this pandemic. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Can I hand over to the MEC of Education? and the HOD for education to say something in five minutes, please. Strictly five minutes.
Thank you, Chair. Dr. Mohangi, can you remove your presentation, please? Remove it from the screen, please. Yes, MEC Major. Thank you, Chair. And uh, yes. good evening to all my colleagues there. Uh, I'm now going to hand over to the HOD for education. HOD, over to you. Can you mute the microphone? Yes, thank you, Honorable MC. HOD, where are you? HOD of education. Well, uh, Mr. Nkosi, where are you? Jay Arunkosi, where are you? Mm -hmm. Mr. seem to be having a challenge. Now, in the absence of the HOD, I can uh, continue, Chairperson. Yes, do that quickly. What we can say, Chairperson, uh, after reopening of schools, we make sure that uh, kids, when they were coming back, they, we had to exercise social distancing. And we made sure that in each and every class, we had to accommodate 20 learners. MEC, but, uh, is there a TV or a radio that is behind you or people behind you? A, if it's a TV, unmute the microphone. Mute it again. I just wanted you to alert the people behind you if it's not TV or radio that you can switch off. Then the people you must tell them to pay away your busy at work. Okay, no, thank you, Chair. Sure. As I said, that we made sure that uh, there is a social distancing by making sure that we reduce the number of learners per class so as we can spread desk according to 1.5 meters to allow space for social distancing and make sure that all the learners are given uh, uh, two cloth masks each so as they can be able to alternate those cloth, cloth masks and be able to be protected and supplied uh, sanitizers to all schools. Uh, but uh, when uh, we brought another cohort of learners, because you'll recall that we brought our learners in different cohorts, in different dates, so as we don't bring all of them at the same time. When they came, we also made sure that uh, all of them are also supplied with all those hygienic essentials. But uh, at the same time, in some schools, there was some kind of overcrowding, and we decided to make sure that uh, schools in order to deal with the question of overcrowding, we had to provide some mobile classes. In some instances, you would find that it was difficult for us to supply mobile classes because of uh, financial constraints. Then we 
came up with other methods of making sure that there was platooning in those schools and also alternate classes to make sure that uh, sometimes learners different uh, grades. Others will come this week, others will come the following week, others come this day, others come the following day. So we had to come up with all those measures. I can say that uh, so far, in terms of uh, commodities, there are other teachers who were having underlying, underlying uh, medical conditions, and we made sure that such uh, uh, teachers and learners had to be given space so as they can be able to stay at home and operate from home, and even learners be taught at home using some uh, technical measures such as uh, the computers, which were, I mean, to be taught virtually, but provide radio lessons uh, in making sure that learners were also provided with uh, continuous tuition even if they were at home. So there were different other methods of learning, of teaching learners, even if they were at home. So we can say that uh, the challenges that we faced were the question of vandalism of schools. We had 157 schools that were vandalized in the province, but they were in the process of, uh, of, of, of making sure that they are being repaired. Those are the issues, challenges that we also had is the question of sanitation. We had to make sure that uh, there are toilets which are built where we had a problem We provide mobile toilets and also the question of water, which was a serious challenge for us. Question of water, we assisted by rent water. They provided the tanks and they also provided water in some of the tanks. Municipalities also assisted us a great deal and as such, uh, they are also assisting even now. I'm not sure whether have I uh, completed the five minutes, Chair. I don't want to waste your time. Those are the pertinent issues which we did to interview. Okay. Thank you, Amy. Can I allow the MEC for copter? Five minutes. Thank you very much, Chair, um, for the opportunity and your team and the, my, the, my colleagues in the province. Um, in relation to the Disaster Management Act of 2002, on the 17th of March, as COPTA, we activated our Provincial Coronavirus Command Center, which is co-chaired by COPTA and the, the provincial commissioner in Pumalanga, Obabu Uzum. The purpose of activating was to ensure that minimize. Sorry, can I plead with MEC Majuba to mute this microphone, please? MEC Majuba, please mute your microphone. And Ms. Majuva, please mute your microphone. You're eating on 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 MCMC this time. Can you call him and tell him to mute his microphone? He might have left the place where he was seated. Them and but there's noise. That's why I'm saying I'm pleading with him to mute his microphone. 
finally submitted. Sorry, Ms. Simsimi, I'll give you the 30 seconds I took. Proceed. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much, Chair. And in the Prof. Joint, all stakeholders were sitting there, with the exception of ISCOM, Department of Education and Culture, Sport and Recreation, so that we could coordinate at one center. Our municipalities, they will sit through their district municipal managers. What we'll do from level five, we, we met in more than 50, but when the, the, the spread or when we were about to hit the peak, we limit interaction. We started to interact through visual interaction. Uh, it has helped us a lot because every time when you came from National Command Council, because we're also sitting in the National Command Council, we'll come back, sit into the provincial joint committee, go to different registration to explain in a simpler language to our people in their different registration and local registration, the, the meaning of each and every uh, 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 stage of uh, the coronavirus. What we can indicate is that um, our house of traditional leaders are also of help and the Salga in Pumalanga province. So the, the coronavirus command center in the main was able to coordinate everybody to focus in one direction in relation to combating the spread of the virus. And uh, we'll always meet with uh, uh, the sector department, in particular the frontline department, Department of Health, which was very helpful in terms of advising and guiding us on the next stages. In long and short, we activated the, the command center and we were able to involve everybody in combating the virus, the virus spread. And that's where I can present in terms of uh, the work that we did at Cocta. Thank you. Thank you. MEC Social Development, MEC Shongwe. Thank you, uh, Chairperson. Uh, in the interest of time, let me uh, hand over to the acting HOD to do the presentation. Thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Chairperson. Can we see you, HOD? can only hear your voice. Oh, should I show my face? Yes, we want to see that face that's going to be talking to us. Okay, um, thank you, thank you, Chair. There you go. I'm trying to, 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 to beam the, you. the presentation. There you go. All right. Okay, I'll just speak to the presentation, uh, uh, Chairperson. Uh, in the province, there was a, a a decision that was taken by the uh, executive council that all the uh, food parcels for social relief should be procured and supplied by the uh, Department of Agriculture, Rural Development, Land and Environmental Affairs through. Um, the, the, the agri-hub and um, the social uh, department was um, responsible for the um, screening of the beneficiaries and uh, we established um, a nerve center 
uh, which enabled us to uh, gather the information that related to the beneficiaries after a screening and to also ensure that the right beneficiaries, the targeted beneficiaries, get uh, the food uh, parcels. And we also checked um, to ensure that uh, we eliminate the duplication, that we don't uh, uh, get people who are benefiting twice uh, from the system. Um, in terms of uh, our uh, beneficiaries, we were focusing on uh, the normal social relief uh, beneficiaries. And over and above that, we had many other people, such as uh, vendors, uh, people who were working in salons, the car guards, people who were working as queue marshals in the taxi industry, the restaurant waiters. And these were people who, under normal circumstances, would have worked, but because of the lockdown, they now had no, uh, couldn't work, and they had to be provided with um, support by the uh, state. And Chairperson, um, the Department of Social Development worked hand in hand with um, SASA uh, in terms of providing um, social relief, and even the data that we had, we shared that data with SASA to ensure that. They also check from their database to ensure that we don't get the same people benefiting uh, twice from the system. Over and above the social relief, uh, the Department of Social Development rendered services to homeless people. We uh, removed uh, people from the streets and those people were then, then put in homeless shelters that were established through the assistance of the municipalities. And then we also offered psychosocial support services to the homeless people over and above the fact that we provided meals and other services that they needed. And um, with regard to social relief, I've already spoken to the screening and the provision of social relief to uh, the needy families and then all those people who were getting meals from our uh, soup kitchens, our drop-in centers, our community nutrition and development centers were also provided with food parcels because we had to close those uh, soup kitchens. And we delivered the food parcels through the knock and drop uh, services where the food was delivered directly to the households instead of allowing the people to queue at certain um, places. Um, the, the psychosocial services that were rendered included the trauma debriefing of families uh, affected by the gender-based violence and also um, counseling to those people who were in the shelters over and above the normal uh, uh, counseling that was given to families that were affected by the COVID-19. We also um, operated our residential facilities, and this included the old age homes, the child and youth care centers, the treatment centers, the residential facilities for people with disabilities, the shelters for victims of crimes, and we also coordinated uh, donations uh, in the province. And then, Chairperson, in terms of um, the, 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 the distribution of uh, our 
social relief. The decision that was taken by the Provincial Command Council was that we should use a ward-based approach where we distribute 100 food parcels per ward. And like I said, all the food was sourced from uh, the Department of Agriculture through the government nutrition program. And uh, we worked together with COCTA, where COCTA allowed us to use the CDWs to identify those needy uh, beneficiaries per ward. Um, and Chairperson, um, when we distributed the food, we worked hand in hand with uh, the social workers and we were supported by the municipalities and the law enforcement uh, agencies. Uh, Chairperson, uh, the contents of the food parcels was determined uh, on the norms and standards that were uh, determined by the, the, the National Department of Social Department, which worked hand in hand with the uh, Department of Health to ensure that the package is uh, nutritious. In terms of the costing of the food parcels, the, the costing was 805 rand and 81 cents per pack. And Chairperson, on the uh, donations that were um, distributed and the food parcels that were distributed, we were able as a department to um, distribute 60,188 food parcels, um, which were excluding the, the SASA and the donations from the Solidarity Fund. And through the number of food parcels that were distributed, we were able to reach out to 300, 940 people. And that number is based on an average family of four to five people per family. And in terms of um, the, 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 the various channels that we used for, for, for distribution, um, we were able to use our um, community and nutrition development centers uh, we've used the uh, Department of Agriculture through the government nutrition program. We were able to also use uh, the budget that was allocated for social relief for the first quarter. And then some of the food parcels that were distributed, we got from the Solidarity Fund, where we were able to get 19,911 food parcels. And then we were also able to get various donors who donated 11,447 food parcels. We got 5,042 from SASA, and we also got a donation from the Department of Education from the food parcels that they could not utilize due to the fact that the schools were closed. And all in all, in the Department of Social Development, we were able to distribute 87,369 food parcels, which is a number that is including the, the donations as well. And Chairperson, we've got a list of um, the various donors, which is included in the presentation. And the same information that I've spoken to is also a, um, indicated per female-headed supported households and uh, we were able to reach 37,075 female-headed or female-supported households. We were able to reach 641 child-headed um, households. And um, Chairperson, 
in terms of the few challenges that we have um, experienced, we had a huge uh, demand for the food parcels, but the mitigating strategy, we believe that uh, the grant from SASA, the 350 grant, will go a long way in terms of um, helping us to reduce the huge demand that we experienced. Now, in terms of moving forward, Chair, uh, on the database, uh, the department had registered needy families, 25,656, that we could not reach out to. And these people, Chairperson, we have allocated them to the second quarter of the financial year, and we'll be able to distribute uh, the food parcels to them in the second quarter of the uh, financial year. And Chairperson, with regard to the homeless shelters, we still had a small challenge in terms of the fact that this is the mandate that um, when you look at the, the constitution, this mandate of the homeless shelters is not given to social development, neither does it belong to COCTA. But however, as social development, we went ahead and provided the services, but this was done without a budget for social development. And we have engaged COCTA in this regard with the intention of establishing a multi-sectoral um, working agreement to um, uh, help us to deal with the financial obligations that were arising from this uh, uh, arrangement. And, and Chairperson, on the uh, homeless uh, shelters, on the report, the report uh, indicates the breakdown per municipality and per district. But in total, in the province, we were able to uh, accommodate um, 281 uh, homeless people. The number was higher than that. But um, as the, the, the levels of the lockdown uh, kept on changing, then uh, the numbers also reduced. But over and above that, uh, the challenges that we had also, some of the people that we accommodated were people who are on drugs and they experienced withdrawal symptoms. And uh, because of that, there was a huge percentage of abscondments and that also resulted in the number going down. But over and above the, that, some of the people we were able to um, locate their families at a later stage and place them appropriately with, with their families. And then, um, Chairperson, uh, we believe that um, the, 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 the food distribution strategy that we have used in the department served as a springboard to help us to roll out the implementation of social relief to the victims of, of, of the COVID-19. And Chairperson, over and above that, um, we have a short uh, presentation from uh, SASA which is indicating that from the SASA side, they were able to pay out 252 million rents uh, to Mpumalanga beneficiaries on the 350 rand um, special grant. But however, we've also noted that most of the applications, when you allocate those applications by gender, uh, the larger percentage was male as opposed uh, to, to, the, to the female beneficiaries. 
And then um, if you look at, at the numbers also in terms of the, the citizenship, looking at the, those that are permanent citizens and those that are refugees, we were able to accommodate a large number of uh, citizens uh, with the SASA um, grant. And I thank you, Chair. I'm going to pause there. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Sorry, HOD, my apologies. Can we remove the presentation, please? Honorable members, can I see your faces? Who wants internet? Not talking, faces only in my camera. Faces. I've seen you. You are number one. Who else? Chair, you, you unfortunately can't see I've my face. I've seen you. I've seen you. I've seen you, Kalibi. That's why. <laughs> Is it only the three of you? Awesome. This one, Gigi. Hello, Gigi. I'm not telling Gigi. So now we have five. Okay. I think we should proceed on that, in that order. Honorable Kava. Uh, <clears throat> thank you, Chairperson. I'm, I'm Hello. Yay, proceed. Uh, thank you, Chair. Pr proceed. Yes. Good afternoon, my colleagues. Good afternoon, Chair. Good afternoon, the Department of Mpumalanga. Um, let me welcome the, all the, the presentation from all the departments from the government of Mpumalang. Chairperson, the presentation was well and good and uh, understandable, but uh, I have a question in the presentation of the uh, health department, specialty of the health. Of health. Ashanti, he talks about the rental vehicles and also talks about the PPEs were distributed, which means they are not have a shortage of PPEs. Chairperson, uh, the presentation of health it was silent on figures, on figures that how much did they pay the rental vehicles for testing? And how many companies they were given tenders to distribute these PPEs? And how much did they get those companies? And did they have a due process? 
they pass the due process to get uh, those tenders if, if, if they are. Uh, because I'm asking this thing, Chair, because in this PPEs, people, they took advantage of this uh, pandemic and the, 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 the invisible uh, uh, pandemic to make sure that they are enriching themselves in some of our provinces. But I want to ask even here in Pumala to say, did you have that problem? Uh, or you did not have uh, how many companies and how much did you give and how many how much rental we paid for for car hiring? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable uh, Honorable Honorable uh, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Um, you will remember when the Western Cape uh, province was before us and they were talking about the high number of cases at the time you'd remember that the Western Cape was um, was the epicenter of the spread of COVID-19 in the country and the Premier explained at that stage that one of the, re the contributing factors for that province having such a high number of cases was because of the high influx of tourists that that they have in that province, which which made sense um, when he made when he explained that. But equally so, I think that uh, the Mpumalanga province is also one of those provinces where I think that uh, they have qu uh, quite a high number of um, of tourists that visit that province. Uh, possibly not as high as the Western Cape, but that's not the point. The point is that that the, the provinces where you've had an increasing number of tourists uh, in the months of December, January, February, and so on, you found that there was an increasing um, incidence of, um, of, of the spread of COVID-19. The reason why I'm, I'm mentioning this, Chair, is that when you listen to the presentation from the Department of Health, and to be fair to the province, you ha we have to admit, I think, that the province has done a remarkable job under those circumstances to be able to curb the spread, um, especially in, in an environment where you have a high influx of tourists coming into that province. So I wanted to, to re give recognition to the effort, I think, that the province would have put into whatever they would have done, given the very detailed um, report that um, that the HOD has given us. Um, whatever efforts that they've invested uh, to mitigate the spread, it's very clear, Chairperson, that uh, they have to some degree and to a large degree, I think, uh, managed to, to, uh, to contain the spread of the virus. And to put it simply, we could have ended up in a much worse situation than what we have in Mpumalanga. So, I wanted to just give credit for that and for the work that the department has done there. Um, and, and the fact that we've got such a high recovery rate, I think is also something that they must be recognized for. Um, but the unfortunate thing, Chairperson, is that all of that good work, I think, gets eroded now by some of the negative 
attention that the province has attracted of recent in respect of COVID-19 uh, allegations of corruption and, um, and poor expenditure, if I can put it to you that way. There have been examples of where the Treasury um, has spent uh, up to 4,590 rand and 1,624 rand for 25 litres of sanitizer. Um, and then you have, I think we know that in many places you could purchase a thermometer for a few hundred rands, but the, the province has been paying, especially the Department of Copter, spending up to 2,500 rand for a single thermometer. Then you add the Department of Health that spent up to about a million rand on branded backpacks, which I think they must just give us an explanation for and what the justification for that was. Um, another example is the social social development department spent about 674,000 rand on management fees, which I think that they must give us an explanation for. Now, I know that the mayor, the, the premier has is on record of saying that th these matters are going to be investigated. Uh, in particular, uh, Treasury, the Economic Growth Agency, the Sports, Culture and Recreation Department, with COCTA, and a number of uh, government departments there that are going to be investigated. But I worry that when when the very same people who, who, who fingers are being pointed at conduct their own investigation, don't think that the public gets a sense of confidence that there's going we're going to get to the bottom of it. So notwithstanding all the very good work that has been done in that province, Chairperson, Mpumalanga province is another one of those provinces that have now been fingered in COVID-19 corruption. And I want to hear from, from, from the, uh, the, the leader of the delegation whether or not they are going to call in the SIU to investigate this, because you can't uh, allow the same government to investigate itself. The president has spoken on this today, even in parliament, on the importance of us getting to the bottom of it and rooting out corruption in government departments. I have no doubt that these examples of, of expenditure that I've, I've raised now are definitely questionable. There are people who milked the system at the expense of the poor. And notwithstanding all of that, this, the province was still able to manage to get the, get the situation under control. But that's money that could have been used much better elsewhere for poorer communities. I want to hear from the from uh, in Pumalanga province. Are they willing to call in the SIU to investigate and root out the corruption from those departments? Because the Pumalanga province already has a reputation of um, of irregular expenditure and corruption in that province. So I'd be interested to hear what the response is to that. Then, uh, Chairperson, I think that the, there's been some um, talk in the media as well by Professor uh, Abdul Karim when he warns about a possible uh, second spike that is likely to happen. And I think that the Mpumalanga province is at a good space at the moment. They were able to flatten the curve, and I think that they, the, the, the future is looking positive. But I'd like to hear from them, what are they, uh, what's their readiness in respect of um, preventing the uh, a second surge in that province, given all the good work that has been done, and you don't want that to go down the drain. Then, Chairperson, I um, want to raise the issue about Lekwa municipality as well, please. And um, to members of the portfolio committee will know that I I shared a uh, a video clip by some of the journalists today about what some of the streets look like in the Lekwa municipality. And we are very concerned about that municipality in particular 
Chair, you'll remember that we've we've called that minister uh, the uh, uh, Lekwa before us previously. The province was before us previously. There are ongoing problems at Lekwa municipality, and I'd like to hear from Copter. What are they doing to make an intervention in that municipality? It's an absolute mess. It's falling apart. It's unable to deliver services. It cannot provide water. The businesses have had enough of that municipality. The mayor doesn't do what is expected of them. The councillors have given given up. The residents are on the verge of taking to the streets in that municipality. I've had a conversation with some of them just yesterday about it, and the the, the situation there is reaching fever point. And I'd like to hear from Cocteau exactly what is it that they, they are doing to turn that situation around. Lastly, uh, Chairperson, um, Honorable Brink has sent me a few questions uh, that he would like me to raise, but I think it would be proper if I just allow the other members to raise their no, questions. My, my, my apologies for that, Honorable Lucen. My apologies for that. Indeed, Honorable Brink sent an apology, colleagues. Hence, uh, Honorable Lucen will continue with uh, Honorable's question. Proceed. Yeah, uh, would you want me to deal with it now or you allow the other members who are here already to take their questions? Yeah? Oh, you'll be the last. Okay. Yeah, I, I, okay. can, I can put Brink's questions last on the list. Thank you, Chair. Okay, thank you so much. Honorable Mkalip. Honorable <laughs> thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, it's our age, man. It's me. The chair has called me. <laughs> Thanks very much for from the provincial um, government of Pumalanga for the presentations. Uh, I will just engage on health issues, Department of Education, and Corpta of the province chair. Uh, first of all, Chairperson on health. Uh, thanks for the presentation. Indeed. As Honorable Hussein is also mentioning that the good work that the province might have been doing, but there are something, especially those that were not covered in terms of the presentation that the members of this portfolio committee, they are going to ask and they also expect honest answers. Because when we speak, we don't speak for ourselves, but we speak on behalf of a community there. So the first question, uh, which I get from the department. Um, okay. Uh, if the department can clarify this issue. Chair. Okay, Chair, if I may continue. Yes, there was somebody who was disrupting you. Um, I was trying to yes. check who's the person. So if oh. colleagues can I plead with you that uh, if you had given a platform to speak, allow the speaker to speak. So that will assist a great deal. Over to you, Mkalipi. Yes, Chair. I was saying that that is stepping news that we need clarity from the Department of Health that regards to a person, a particular person who was a maid, who was shot inside the hospital in Vet Bank. And um, it looked like there was a fight between this person and other people outside the hospital until he ran to the hospital. But the question is, if a person can be shot inside the hospital 
so it it it, uh, it raises eyebrows is there is no security in terms of the hospital. So even the workers in the hospital and the patients, it seems as if they are not uh, um, safe. So if the department can also elaborate on that regard, because I'm sure they know about that incident. Uh, the second one, uh, Mapuleng Hospital, Ebushabelo, Ebushpak Ridge. It's a very old hospital, and I understand that there is a new hospital that has been initiated in terms of building. But this Mapuleng Hospital is still in use, but it's in a very bad state, Chairperson. And I'm told that the new hospital is still on phase one. Uh, they have started to build this hospital as far as back as 2016, 2017, 2018. But it looks like there is no construction that is continuing. If the department can also elaborate on that fact, so far how much has been used for something that is, I can tame it as a white elephant, while there is a need in that province for the new hospital, especially in that area of Bushpark Ridge. And I'm not sure if it's true, if the people in that area, they're saying that it's looked like 33 billion have been spent so far. But that one can be verified by the department and can be backed up because the disturbing news is that there is a hospital that is dysfunctional, but because people are disparate for the hospital, they are continuing using it. And then there is a new hospital next to it who seek to address the issues of the old hospital, but is not moving at all. And there is money that has been spent. And uh, the issue of Rob Ferreira, I think it's a clinic in the spread. Uh, people are experiencing long queues as a result. People are taken to, to go and get service uh, outside the province. And there's an issue of Itemba Hospital. If the department can clarify, because we are told that there's a theater machine that has been bought as far back as 2013, but that machine is not in use. And the department must explain to us why did you buy this machine in theatre, and then you just pack it there. And how much did you buy? How much did you use for that machine? And why did you buy it if you were not? Uh, it was not needed to to help the poor people. Coming to education, chair. Um, 249 schools are having challenges in terms of sanitation in the province, MEC of Education. And when the COVID-19 started, uh, it, it, the COVID-19 came on top of the situation in terms of challenges that we have as a Department of Education in uh, regards to these 449 schools who lack the infrastructure in terms of sanitation. My question is, why you didn't exploit this opportunity whereby the money was put on the department to address because even this sanitation issue must be addressed in terms of the COVID-19 regulations. So I'm talking about schools that you might know because I'm giving you the number, but there are specific schools such as uh, in, in Gomazi, they are still using pit toilets, Andambuzin uh, Seket, Ikuba Ikulam Shika School, and there are so many schools that are in the state. Even the Shukovani primary school, there's no infrastructure, but it seems as if there was a budget that was approved. 
and what happened to such a budget. Uh, and then the Department of Social Development. I have only question, one question for them. Um, in areas in Bushbuck Ridge, such as Akonuk, villages such as Eroibok, A&B, Greenvale, Brooklyn, Timbati, and so on, Power Life. So the, we, you do provide services in those villages. But the, 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 the information that you are getting is that the, you don't have offices, but it's so big village in such a way that you do have services that you are providing to people, but your social workers are operating or are accommodated in clinics, municipal offices, in crèches, so they don't have proper offices to operate under. So my question is, although we appreciate that as the department, you want to go as far as deep rural areas, of which they're what we want as South Africans. But same equally, if your workers now they found themselves not having proper offices um, to work on, so what is the reason? And when are you going to address such issues uh, in social development? Uh, the leader of delegation in the absence of the premier will take all kinds of questions and even if it does not fall under her scope, but since she's a leader, uh, I think that she's up to the task. <laughs> the Mpumalanga province is known as a mining area and a lot of bad things are happening in workers. So it will be unfair for this committee if we can't demand answers from the leader of the delegation. They can also, I mean, chair, if they don't have answers now, because we said we want to specifically call them for COVID-19, but we want to explore this opportunity since they're here. They can even, I mean, forward answers later in, uh, with the, in terms of writings. But since that area is a mining area, the province is a mining area, there are a lot of things in terms of labor relations. Uh, they will know what I'm talking about. A case, one case in point is a illegal mining by Bashona Silica. So it seems as if these people, they are doing the mining illegally. And the, 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 the government of the province does not seem to have a way of dealing with these people. The second issue is the employees of Mlauli Apostos Mine, Egulindeni, who are still waiting for their compensation after they were retrenched by Richard Spore, who was a legal representative of NUM. It seems as if there was a trust fund that was opened on behalf of these people, these workers, these vulnerable workers, because they are farm workers, but the money never reaches them. So I'm appealing to the, I don't know which department, but the Premier's office will know how to uh, deal with such situation because we're talking about the vulnerable people that are the citizens of Mpumalang. And then the last question is about COVID-19 uh, from the Department of Health. Uh, I think one of my colleagues touched on it very briefly. Just to add on what uh, Comrade Hussein was asking, there are rumors, I'm not sure, but I think we need to be clarified by the, H the HOD, Umis Savera. 
the rumors to say that we have already spent 444 million during this period and this 444 million is uh, the in terms of the breakdown is you have buy digital tablets and you can also elaborate to this committee what is the department is going to do with 44 million that is breaking down in terms of the digital tablets, backpackers and umbrellas that costed 805 million that Honorable Hussein spoke about. Maybe Chair, let me pause it here to allow other colleagues to talk and then I'll come with the questions that I have for MEC for COCTA. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Mukalipi. Uh, Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Greetings to the colleagues. Greetings to you, Chairperson. And uh, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, Chairperson, I will speak to uh, issues pertaining to uh, the health department. Uh, the health department here spoke about uh, uh, expenditure uh, on, on, on radio jingles. I just want to probe that matter because it's touching closer to, to home. Uh, my understanding of radio jingles is that one, you would have to have a voiceover artist. Number two, who, who is going to perform the jingle? Number two, you would have to have a budget for the jingles. Number three, you would have to have a recording and, and the writing process of the jingle. And then number four, you would have to have a, a, a beneficiaries of, the, of those royalties as the music, as the advert is playing. And then number five, you would have the the, 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 the agency factor who is going to say, here, I've got the budget. Uh, I'm speaking to the person who's capable of writing and who's capable of now uh, uh, performing. Whether, whether you take the performing person separately from the writer, uh, it's, 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 it, it goes, it, it, it depends on the, on the circumstances. But uh, the situation is such that uh, they, there is a budget that is that is allocated. So I would want, I would like to know what is the budget or what 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 what, what is the amount that was used for that particular purpose uh, in the department, and uh, how much were voiceover artists paid, and uh, what agreements? did you have in place to ensure that when an advert is playing again with uh, with Tlengiwem Kalipi uh, uh, performing in that in that advert, when it comes back, it should pay that person what is called a, 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 a usage fee, Jen. So, so how much, how much has the, have they spent uh, in terms of budget? How much have they paid voiceover artists? Who is benefiting in terms of the of, of, of the registration of the work 
and uh, and uh, and uh, what 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 agencies were involved to actually talk to those who were going to be involved in the in the in the in that in the in, in that project. Uh, number two, uh, I'm still on health, Chairperson. What informed the decision not to have a quarantine site in Belfast, Emma Kazeni local municipality, where when there is a HA Groove hospital? Also, in light of the fact that the people uh, with comorbidities uh, who reside in farms, because the area uh, is full of farms, Chepesin. I work there, I'm deployed there by, the, by my organization. On daily basis, our people in the farms do not get access to water because of uh, farmers that are arrogant that will close the water. So that means that we will at some time, at times, uh, transport those people to Whitbank to, to, to land affairs so that the municipality has access in terms of of, of, of the water tankers that they 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 they, 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 they are bringing and what uh, 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 what, what what considering that uh, that the struggle for for ambulances particularly when you when you look at Ailey, uh, in what five in Emmakazin there are no roads but how have you how is it possible that you have you have made sure that uh, you have you you have measures in place to monitor uh, that those those PPEs reach the intended people. Given the fact that there are no roads, how did the people travel? Because I know the area very well. I go there every weekend. So 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 I want to 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 to, to know how how did it reach the people, and how many people it reached. Uh, in terms of ensuring that uh, the department pushing the people against the spread of the virus. And secondly, uh, Chair, uh, in terms of uh, uh, the, 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 the public awareness, what measures have the department put in place to ensure that farm dwellers, particularly in Emakazen local municipality, do get the message about the safety measures that they should be using to, to ensure that uh, the spread of the virus in Kangala is not as much as, as, as it is now, as it is the highest in the province. Um, I went to, to Morelech Combined School uh, during the time when, the, when, the, when, when, when we were tasked to actually do oversights in schools in, in terms of state of the readiness of schools. There was no water chairperson at all. The, 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 the toilets were there, let alone the environmental factor, because as, as, as Honorable Kalipi is saying, uh, that area, all of, all of that area is, 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 is surrounded by, by, uh, by coal mines. So that means that the children have to be uh, evacuated whenever the mine is, is, uh, is, 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 is about to blast for their safety and also for, for, for their health. So what has the department done to ensure that the mines in that area are protective of the environment, thus are protective of the children's uh, 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 um, education and health 
and and environment because our people uh, you can go to to Henner's Dry and you can go to Kwamakefane at, at what one and you can go to Liu Bank uh, 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 and, and and water there uh, uh, there's a there's a there's a there's a sample that was taken in seven in 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 on the 17 uh, 10 uh, the 10th month of 2019 right uh, the sample uh, found out that there is a manganese at 74 percent and then there is iron in the water at 3062 percent now you are hoping that and you are drawing a picture that everything is fine uh, when you are presenting uh, without acknowledging the fact that there are challenges on the ground and and people on daily basis are facing the arrogance of mines and the and some of the officials that are in involved in those mines uh, in the municipalities uh, who are resisting and 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 and, and not raising the the, the the pertinent issues pertaining to the health of the people. And during COVID-19, uh, people cannot cannot drink uh, cannot drink uh, water with that much of, of, of dissolved iron, Chairperson. It's, it can't be correct uh, in Leo Bank. And then you go to Kwama Kefan, they, they, they are experiencing the same thing. I went there, I saw the, I sat until uh, the, 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 the mine must blast the car was full was just was just a, a black chair so i had uh, so 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 you can imagine even not not only the people it affects the livestock it affects the windows it affects every life in that in that in that in that in that sphere and and then when you go to henner's dry uh, it, it becomes the same thing uh, people people get into houses where they where where wherever there is rain right uh, the the houses are full of water when you call the mind to to account on these things they don't want to to to, to, to account none of nobody wants to, to to tell you anything about instead what you hear is people that are involved in mines that do not want to to to, to you to, to to be listened to in terms of the people's grievances but uh, be that as it may chairperson the situation is dire, and I wish that uh, the presentation, as 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 rosy as it is, it would have uh, touched on the on the on the very very issues that that our people should get because uh, the regulations uh, 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 demand of, of of municipalities to provide water, and then uh, in terms of human settlements, uh, I wanted to ask uh, the. Cocta, Cocta department uh, about a situation in of 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 M Kogodrong in, in, in Ward 28, which is affecting Ward 27, Ward 28, and Ward 17 in, here in Scripture, the way I live, uh, in Avalon or Newtown. So so you have people that are living there that are sharing a toilet, uh, 11 families. And I think I've raised this before here. And up to date, there's nothing that has happened. I don't know, because blacks should be taken lightly like that. And whenever we speak about them, it's like they are complaining. 
they, 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 half a loaf is better than no bread uh, politics uh, in South Africa. So, so I think that is the situation because had you genuinely been caring about the people, uh, you wouldn't leave them in that uh, expo uh, uh, exposure to, to unhealthy situations like that. Much as they are being moved to to, to Mkokotong now, in, in which is under what the eight, my word, they 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 really uh, are engulfed with problems of of of, of uh, health and are engulfed with with uh, with problems of 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 housing backlogs in in that. What is that? What has the department done uh, to to ensure that uh, this situation is also turned around? Then there is a situation of Galstrom, which just happened recently, and no media has covered it because I do not know why. Uh, there's a person that has just been killed there by person by by police personnel, and 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 when the the community has has been uh, 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 on, on went to the street. In the matter between the Darstrom residents versus the South African Police Service and Ward Councillor uh, Construction, Construction and Tourism Sector, on the exclusion of Sakelwe Township residents in Darstrom uh, from from local economic development. Chairperson, the mining charter of 2018 is very clear that mining mining right holder must implement 100% of mine of mine community uh, development commitments as uh, approved uh, in social and labor plan. Hence, the many social labor plans of all local mines uh, presented before the, the, the LED of each municipality where mine is operating. The community re remains uh, impoverished uh, nothing. There's no value that has that has that has brought, been brought to black people, uh, either than what we call with the so-called jobs uh, that way that 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 we think that they will change people's lives in in, in in this country. So 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 mining mines here in Pumalanga are acting against the the, the white paper. On, on, of 1998 on the issue of of, of, of mine and 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 the and the social development so so then then the people there uh, demand uh, to participate in the economy demand uh, the an immediate release of, of 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 people that have been arrested then they demand justice on the on the killing of the, of this person and then and then consider consider uh, the people of Sakelo uh, to to be involved in the in the N4 project that was promised by Prasa on their road show at at Sakelo Community Hall and 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 and, and Prasa and all those people must stop promising people whenever they feel good when they come to left township and promise promise people empty promises there because. This is what causes the, the uprisings. Uh, people come there and 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 and, and do all sorts of posturing and promises and, and, and empty promises uh, to, 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 to no avail. Uh, here in Vonor Fontaine, 
there is a problem, there's a serious problem uh, pertaining to, to schools here. What is the what is the uh, copter? What is the the, the, the consequence management? Uh, if you can clarify me, maybe I I don't get uh, this this clearly. Uh, because I assume that there is a a, a a code of conduct for public representatives. So what is the consequence management for transgression of such? Because you you. The councillor of what for there calls people calls people to to shoot people uh, at night uh, uh, following uh, the uprising there to shoot people at night with with with, with not rubber bullets but live ammunition. So so what is the consequence management for such people in this province, Chairperson? Uh, 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 the other the other question pertains to to the demands. That were that were that were that were that were uh, submitted by the residents of Siabuswa. Uh, whether 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 the the the, 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 the MEC have have adhered to to these demands. The slow progress in building of Nkombo Mall, old old municipal fleet that that need to be replaced, appointment of municipal manager, uh, construction of 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 uh, of of speed hams. Uh, Municipality liquidity ratio, incomplete uh, projects with with exhausted uh, budget, over over committed budget, grade uh, three status of the municipality with thirty one watts, uh, a population of two hundred forty nine thousand. Uh, I think that 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 completes my questions, Chairperson. Uh, if there is another opportunity, I had waited for JS Mudoka, but uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, I will I will catch up uh, on the fourth. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you so much, Honourable Kheza. Indeed, you'll catch up on the fourth. Honourable Pumza. And we can even see you tonight. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you much. Chairperson, I'm greeting you and honorable members and the 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 embassies uh, from uh, the provincial administration in Bumalanga and the senior officials. Chairperson, uh, uh, in welcoming this report, <laughs> I, I have just realized that uh, on the provisioning of food parcels, while the provinces developed a hub, but they say that uh, their distribution approach uh, on the social relief, the approach is to distribute 100 food parcels per ward, per ward. Very interesting that, uh, so the need it's just a, a, a rounded figure 
in every word in Pumalanga. So this means that in a word, surely they were in every word, if they stated it was 100 words, there were only 100 people who were actually destitute and in need. Could we explain why they use an approach of 100 foot parcels per word? Is that uh, the, the pricing committee had <laughs> priced each food parcel at uh, 805 rand 81 cents. And it's indicated that uh, this value is inclusive of distribution cost. So it means that uh, uh, the, the distance uh, was not a factor in the distribution of uh, this food parcel. That's why they arrived at a value of 805, 81 cents uh, per food parcel that was distributed. Why is it so? So it was just calculated on a radius. So irrespective of any distance traveling that people go. So the value would be the same, there would be no differentiation. Uh, again, Chairperson, it indicates that uh, a total of uh, 53,066 uh, pe people have received the SRDP grants uh, in that province predominant in this total list of SRT beneficiaries are 37,075 female-headed households. And the difference would be, uh, would be actually the, the child-headed. The indication there, therefore, that is that predominant in Pumalanga, uh, poverty is prevalent amongst women. And uh, what economic future plan does the province have in store as part of a cost recovery plan post the COVID that would accommodate these women who are unemployed and are heading households. Is that reflected in the plan that they are providing to us? Again, Chairperson, in this report, it indicates that uh, 1,815 schools in the province, out of those, that number, 74 schools have challenges related to accommodation of space. And the state has indicated that this is due to the intake of new courts. What plan is the province putting in place to address such challenge in schools in Pumalanga? Added to that, they are indicating and reflecting a risk and a challenge related to 149 vandalized schools. Uh, and uh, these schools that are being vandalized, they are estimating 
that the province would need a 4.5 million as part of repairing such particular schools. My question, therefore, Chairman, is that uh, is that estimate adequate to address a repairs of the vandalized 149 schools? The, the MSC also presented that uh, 281, uh, the COVID pandemic has exposed in Pumalanga 281 homeless people that have been now provided with temporal shelter. What is the plan forward towards actually by the Department of Human Settlement accommodating these people in affordable housing uh, going forward so that we actually defeat in Pumalanga the status of homelessness by our people that are found in the street. Chair, why is that in Pumalanga, the human being formal settlement in Pumalanga have not been redensified. And uh, if then they are saying they have not been redensified or being uh, provided with related temporary residential areas, what is the Human Settlement Department in Pumalanga doing or envisaging to afford? the provision of electricity in informal settlement like Ezzalalene, Nordgedacht, Pumelelu in extension 7 and 9, so that those communities are afforded with electricity. The report also indicates that there are serious challenges related to water and sanitation, and that this they indicate that is related to certain delays in providing more mobile toilets or temporal measures in some of the schools. Um, why is it that the promise is not budgeted for water and sanitation so that during this particular time in COVID-19, the National Department of Human Settlement has been providing water tanks and tankering throughout the country. Does it mean that Mpumalanga has not received any uh, water tanks and uh, tangling trunks from the department allocation? My last question, Chair, the report also indicates that uh, there is a challenge in some of the schools in Mpumalanga because of community disruption, uh, disruption in schools. Can this committee be appraised as to what are the underlying factors and reasons for communities to disrupt the schooling process in Pumalang? Thanks, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Mpumza. You need to keep uh, going to the neighbor so that we are able to see a lot of you. Please, it's so good to see you back in the platform. Honorable Hadewe, <laughs> you want to say something? Honorable Hadewe, 
Thank you so much, uh, Honorable Chair. Uh, much of my question have been covered by uh, previous speakers and honorable members. Chair, I'm interested in the article that uh, we saw, uh, which was released yesterday, and it has been circulating, uh, making allegations of inflated prices on procurement of of PPEs uh, in the province, Chair. Uh, this article implicates uh, several departments in the province. Uh, COCTA department is implicated. Uh, Culture, sports and recreation department is implicated. Health department is implicated. Social department uh, is also implicated. And many other uh, agencies within the province of inflating prices ranging to items such as uh, the thermometers, sanitizers, and branded umbrellas chair, including the digital uh, tablets. Now, the premier of the province was uh, in response to such an article was quoted chair as saying, uh, I have identified a number of discrepancies related to expenditure patterns and pricing in some departments and agencies. As a matter of agency, I will be appointing a team of investigators to investigate the reasons for irregularities. Now, which is almost six months down the line since uh, the lockdown was introduced and the pandemic uh, hit our countries. Now, Chair, I'm raising this precisely because immediately when uh, uh, lockdown hit our shores and uh, National Treasury was proactive and National Treasury introduced instructions and regulation. There's one regulation in particular, instruction number eight of 2019-2020, where that regulation is very clear and equivocal on what needs to happen uh, in relation to procurement of COVID-19 related items under the emergency. That uh, instruction chair require each and every department and agency that after 30 days of having procured goods and services under emergency procurement for COVID-19 related uh, services, you need to report such to national treasure, I mean to relevant treasure within 30 days. And in your reporting, it to indicate the following, uh, the description of an item. For example, in this case, uh, if there was a purchase of these thermometers, sanitizer, digital uh, uh, tablets, and branded umbrella, uh, uh, all these departments that are alleged to have inflated these prices were expected to report this chair. Also in that report, they must include who was a, a contractor or a supplier that was awarded such a tender, including the quantity of each and every thermometer, branded umbrella, and a sanitizer, the total price. Now, Treasury went as far as giving a, a, the unit price for each and every item that has to do with PPEs 
just as a guide. And he further instructed the provinces to say, if your price exceeds what is listed in this instruction, please indicate and motivate why and what led to that uh, 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 increase or deviation to the price as listed in Annexure A. Over and above the increase, if there are savings, you also need to indicate. Now, this instruction, Chair, if provinces, MECs, and premiers had done their job in terms of monitoring and evaluation every after 30 days, they would have noticed and seen that there are deviation into what is listed uh, uh, by National Treasury, there are inflation of prices, they would have picked up that in 30 days. This is a clear indication that the province did not do what they ought to have done when compiling this report to notice that they are now coming six months down the line for a premier to say, I have noticed discrepancy. It's an indication and a confirmation of a department that was caught napping and sleeping on duty. Now, my question is, who should be held accountable for not doing what they were supposed to do? As per the instruction, you know, when uh, I first became an MP, we were inducted. And part of the induction was that all the laws, bylaws, legislation, and policies that we make ought to be enforceable, monitored, and reviewed. Now, when National Treasury have instructions and you cannot implement such instruction and you cannot enforce, those instructions become futile and useless. This is the case here. Now, we need to spend money for independent investigator to do what department was supposed to do. We need to spend money on SIU to investigate what National Treasury has given us as a guide to do. Now, this is a simple and clear-cut case of derogation and negligence in terms of all uh, the executive authority and accounting officers within all these implicated departments. Now, we have seen, Honorable Chair, in other provinces, Gauteng, uh, uh, the embassy of health, when there were allegations, uh, innocent until proven guilty, he did an honorable thing. He asked to be given a special leave so that uh, those that are investigating can do the work. Why is Mpumalanga uh, uh, different? Why can't we have such a, a, a good example? We have seen with the spokesperson of in the president, she, she did an honorable thing and asked to be excused. I'm asking this question. If Mpumalanga is serious about fighting corruption, why can't they ask those that are implicated to excuse themselves to allow the smooth process of investigation, innocent until proven guilty. We understand excusing yourself does not implicate you, does not make you guilty as charged, but it gives us confidence that you are serious about fighting corruption and you are committed 
to give space to those that will conduct the investigation to do so without fear and favor of intimidation by powers that be. So, Chair, I'd like to also get an understanding. Can we be over and above this? If, so if this article did not leak this information, we wouldn't have had a privilege to know. So I'm asking now that the, uh, the, the, the provincial government, over and above what we have seen on the media, have you done yourself a favor to scrutinize and analyze all procurement? Can you tell us how much more uh, uh, shock are we still going to see? And if you can uh, explain to us that it clearly shows what I'm saying will be proven to be true that we were sleeping on, on duty check. I would also like to get an understanding. Uh, in pursuit of radical socio-economic transformation, will you be in the position to give us an indication how many SMMEs uh, 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 have benefited in, in, in procurement of, 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 of uh, COVID-related uh, uh, PPEs, goods and services, to show that you are serious about uh, what we call the radical socio-economic transformation. Because not everything uh, that is black is associated with corruption. Would love to see that Mpumalanga is serious about uh, black economic empowerment by indicating to us that, uh, uh, for example, 600 million has been spent thus far. Uh, out of that 600 million, uh, 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 300 million was geared towards uh, black economic empowerment. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Let me pause there for now. Thank you, Honorable Hagdevin. The main reason why you are here, colleagues from Pumalanga, is based on the fact that you are responding to the disaster in terms of the Disaster Management Act. Since our interaction with the provinces, I suspect we are the last province we have interacted with. There's things that we have picked up when it comes to the issue of disaster management. And I think uh, I'll say you deserve the burn as a province, as a province based on the fact that uh, you, are, you seem to be the only province that is on course to spend your COVID disaster grant allocation. Uh, it's reported that uh, the disaster provincial grant of 33 million for health we have thus far spent up to 98%. Also, the municipal disaster grant for municipalities we have thus far spent 86%. Whereas, if there were some provinces like my own home provinces where I come from, there was little spending when it comes to that effect. However, having acknowledged the, the issues, the good things that you have done in relation to the disaster spending, we need to get assurance from your good selves, MEC Matangu and MEC Msib, that the funds have been used for intended purposes and that the communities have benefited. That's the assurance we need from your good selves. However, there are some of the aspects that one need clarity with regard to the issues as presented in your documents. 
the, the provincial disaster management plan in terms of section 89. It's in your report, MSMCV, that you use it to rally all role players. And then we want to know whether this provincial disaster management plan is indeed, you are saying it's in place, whether it has been approved and when was that done? That's the first one. The second one is related to MEC Manzini. The provincial disaster health management plan for all health related risks as section 38 of the disaster management act when will it be in place because we know it's not there if if you are saying it's there uh, maybe you tell us does it caters all the aspects just share with us a, a bit what it contains it can also then be later be shared with us the other issue that we feel MEC Matlango, as Honorable Mkhalipi said, in the absence of the Premier, you are not just the leader of the delegation, then you will respond anything that relates to the Premier. But I believe the duty about it, you are also sitting in the Command Council, so you know the activities of the Command Council by virtue of you being a member of the Provincial Exco. Uh, the province Mpumalanga borders between two countries, as I said earlier, which might pose risk for its COVID-19 containment measures, especially once the borders are opened. What are the strategic measures being put in place to ward off any possible transboundary risk? I think this is very critical. Because we might be saying you're doing good, but once the, the borders get open, you know what's going to happen. The issue that uh, Honorable Kaiser, the municipality, wanted to talk about, uh, JS Morocco, that area faces drought risk for an extended period of time, and the situation requires a sustainable drought relief reduction measures, particularly in the face of COVID-19. So we want to know, Mr. Musiri and Acting Premier Matlangu, what are the practical drought risk management plans and your funding arrangements for 2021 financial year? Have all your municipalities, uh, MEC Musiri and Acting Premier Matlangu, adopted and budgeted for, for, for water sustainability plans? And which are those municipalities that have done that, if there's any who has done, done that? If not yet, when are the municipalities going to do this? The other issue that one wants to raise is whether the province has a COVID-19 economic recovery plan and what are the details thereof and what is the commitment of the private sector towards its implementation. Is this expressed 
also in the IDBs of the municipality. You know, as a province and somewhere in a presentation, you have asserted it that you are a tourist attraction province. Then the question now that uh, some of us, now that we're at level two and we want to visit the Kruger National Park, can I be assured that the province has a plan to monitor compliance of tourism establishment with COVID-19 protocols? I want also to get clarity from you again, MEC Manzini. We want to know what will your department in the province consider to be flagship of or legacy projects out of COVID-19 response for long-term improvement of the provincial health system. I'll Somebody said something about Rob Ferreira hospital because always there's been challenges even prior to to the pandemic uh, catching us. What are the details of the plan and budget for that? Particularly noting that the province often sends sends patients to Kauteng for specialist treatment. In our interaction with Limpopo, I'm just, I'm raising this because uh, the colleagues from Limpopo told us that uh, they've used COVID as an opportunity to even improve their health facilities. When, as they respond to the COVID-19, they are doing that. So the question is linked that to say post-COVID. Um, We'll find a situation wherein then you want to be sending patients to Haute for specialist uh, treatment. MEC Tandi, Tongo, you, 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 you raised issues around uh, homelessness in the streets and then you saving food to them as the Department of Social Development. But then, how did you do that to to remove these homelessness, homeless people from the streets and, 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 and means, and provide the means when you know you don't have the budget for homeless shelters? I heard you saying that you are talking with Cocta, but then, yeah, 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 department has already done something. Should the AG come to you? How are you going to explain this unfunded mandate? Because you know it's not your function as of the Constitution. Then there was a slide that dealt with the purchase of with the utilization of an app from the Department of Health. I think the DG HOD made mention of that. I've just omitted the page number of the slides. Uh, then vis-a-vis the number of testing and people's response, maybe one would like to ask the value for money aspect of it vis-a-vis the cost of the, applic- the app, the application. 
looking at your communication strategy around COVID-19, which involves radio slots with the number of radio stations amongst Ntumalanga. The we have learned as a committee that uh, some of your municipalities can pay up to 10,000 rand for the radio slots. And this is public information, public service. But then you are paying this 10,000 rand for the slot as if you are hearing a commercial advert. The provincial department of health indicates that it is set aside 15 million rent for COVID-19 awareness programs through communication media. Has the department paid any of this money to radio stations to spread its COVID-19 messages to communities? And then how do you link this with the other municipality also paying or has there been this 15 million? Also bearing in mind uh, the national radio and TVs, uh, they had catered for that. So we want to understand the value for money aspect of it when it comes to the 15 million plus these other 10,000 that municipalities are paying. In the light of the zero occupancy rates in the quarantine sites activated by the province itself, what is the status of the 5 million allocated by the Provincial Department of Health for catering in quarantine sites? The zero occupancy, then there's a 5 million that the department has allocated. What is happening or what is happening to that 5 million? The Importation of Cuban COVID-19 specialists into the county is an initiative of national government led by National Department of Health. Why is the Mpumalanga Provincial Health Department footing the 83.2 million for Cuban's accommodation-related expenses? because I should believe that is the function that should have been catered for by the National Department of Health. And you can imagine 83.2 million. It's massive, it's massive. The last one that one wants to ask, how much is the provincial education department allocated for COVID-related expenditure? And how much has the department spent thus far? So I will end here and hand over to you, MSC Matlangu, and your delegation to respond to all the questions as raised by. Before that, the, yeah, we had agreed that an uh, honorable say will deal with an uh, honorable bring questions. My apologies, Honorable Brink. So, Hussein, can I hand over to you so that you ask the questions of Honorable Brink? I didn't see Honorable Oberman today. I wonder where she is. Network challenges, I suspect. So, she has been overtaken.
by Honorable Bumza, who has just stopped counting his chickens. Over to you, Honorable Hussein. <laughs> no, you must leave Bumza alone now. <laughs> yeah, you know, Chair, I'll be very brief. Um, uh, and thank you. Uh, Honorable Salias had sent me this question that he asked me to please put to the uh, MEC of COPTA in his absence. And he's he's actually raising this question on behalf of the MPL in in uh, the Mpumalanga province, um, Bosman Frobla. Uh, and Chairperson, what has happened here is that uh, uh, MPL Frobla wrote to the MEC in April this year uh, to raise this question with him to get an answer, but it's gone a few months now. There's been no answer from the MEC, so that's why this matter is now coming here because they are struggling to get a, a, at least a decent response out of the MEC. And it relates to the the situation in the Govanambeki local municipality, chairperson. The community of Bethel and Mzenoni fall under that municipality, and. Uh, it seems like uh, the municipality owes ESCOM there about 1.9 billion rand. And uh, it's one of the largest and most delinquent uh, municipal debtors there. And the effects of the municipality's uh, non-payment is obviously affecting those communities of Bethel and uh, Mzenonig directly because it has like a, you know, a separate point of electricity supply for ESCOM with a very low maximum demand limit. And usually ESCOM would lift this limit in times of peak demand, but now uh, they are refusing to do so because the municipality is not honoring its uh, debt repayment agreement. So what has happened is that uh, since the start of the lockdown, there are houses there in Bethel and uh, Mzenoni that have had to ensure uh, um, deal with power outages chairperson of load shedding of, of like 12 hours uh, per day, six hours in the morning and six hours in the evening. And that's how serious it is. There's very few of the electricity out, uh, outages are even scheduled. So people don't know when it's going to go off because most of it of the outage is the result of the damage to the electricity network there and the infrastructure caused by load shedding. So the transformers, what happens is that they blow up the feeder cables that start burning, the ring feeders that break, and then they have to be repaired by the municipality at additional cost. This issue um, was raised, Chairperson, with the MEC for Cocta in Mpumalanga, um, but since then he hasn't even had the courtesy of a response from the MEC. And so we're putting this question to the MEC now in the hope that he will at least provide some sort of an answer of what is it that they're doing to try and turn this situation around so that those residents there in Bethel can at least get a decent answer from the MEC. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Hussain. Honorable uh, Leader of Delegation, MEC Maslangu and team. Over to you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, allow me to start allow the HODs to respond and the MECs will come after the HODs. Can I ask 
HODs will come in and the MECs will come after. We had asked about the whereabouts of the DG in the province. MEC okay. Why let me apologize on her behalf. Just got a message right now that she's booked off sick. Off sick. I'm not so sure. I've just got a message now that she's booked off by her doctor. As of this afternoon? Pardon? Is, is she booked off as of this afternoon as well? I'm not so sure, madam. Uh, I've just got a message right now that she's you know? not fitting in and she's booked, she's booked off by her doctor. And then whom did she appoint in her absence? She requested me to ask the HOD of health to lead the HODs. MEC Matlangu, yourself and myself know better these things. Yes. You are here because the Premier has delegated you to represent the team in writing. In writing. Yes. I don't think that even if she was off sick, she couldn't have written an email to our committee secretary to say, um, if then under the circumstances, the HOD of health will represent me. But that also, I find it being an anomaly. Can you switch off that phone, please, uh, MEC Madrango? Please, just respect the decorum of this committee. I'm pleading with you. Okay, now. Yes. What I was trying to raise here, it should have been somebody who was who, the subordinate of the DG, not necessarily uh, the HOD of health, because there are things that require the Premier's attention here. There are DDGs, I suppose, that report to the DG in the Premier's office. For us to completely have the absence of the Premier's office in this meeting, I, I'm tempted to say if it's not this disrespect of this committee, I don't know what is it. That's, that's where I'm sitting, and that would be the feeling of all the members of the committee. And I was surprised why Honorable Hadewe didn't raise it right from the start, because I raised that the Premier has sent an apology. So I think that's the message you need to take home. The mere fact that they let you come here, don't even tell you, Ms. Matambu, where the DG is. Ourselves, the committee, the DG of the province, because we know that in the absence of the premier, those senior management team in the premier's office will have information that you are not privy to. That's the harsh reality of it. So for us not to have the premier, and she's not indisposed for that matter, we, we accepted the apology that may be. As she said, their prayer arrangement and then she has made arrangement. At least we were expecting the DG to be here. Now that the SMS said the DG is indisposed. So this issue of disrespecting this committee of not even delegating 
one member of the senior management team in the premier's office. You must take the message to back to the premier. We like it to write back to us and explain this matters. How does it happen if it's not disrespect of this committee? We are the committee of parliament who has a fiduciary duty to do oversight on the disaster management act. It's unprecedented that we find the premier senior management office from the premier's office not in the meeting. The HOD will have to talk. Of it, then we'll have to talk to matters that relate to the health department. The function and the role of the premier as the head of this provincial administration. I hope you will take the, the message home, MEC Matang, and then the premier will expect it to write back to us, especially the absence of the officials from the office. Others under the circumstances we can see in the attendance or in the delegation, you will be told there's an advisor to the premier or something, but the absence of the premier's office in this meeting, it's an area that we note with serious concern and reservations. Over to you, MSC. Yeah, no, thank, thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, I will pass the message to the Premier, and this will be attended to before the tomorrow's sunset. We will Thank you. send an apology Thanks. to the committee. It's not an apology per se, explanation. How did we arrive here? Save is no, if it is not undermining the committee or also hindering the committee or obstructing the committee from doing its oversight responsibility. Okay. Becky okay. Hadewe, I knew you would come. Yes. Yes, I did not want to sound insensitive, unreasonable and uncaring chair. Uh, but uh, now that the matter has been raised, let me just raise what I wanted to say, Chair, that we have seen in other provinces, there are premiers who were uh, affected with COVID-19. They were running the, the, the province and administration in their quarantine. We are now in the fourth industrial revolution. When we arrange this meeting, it does not require a person to physically come to us. You connect wherever you are uh, using smartphone and other gadgets. Unless they are saying to us, uh, those that are not here, they can't even speak. That's how serious uh, uh, their conditions are. All it requires here in your comfort of your home, uh, uh, in the warmth of, of your home couch, just to connect virtually and engage with us respond to questions uh, when it's your time and then you can switch off attend to whatever you do but i did not want to raise this because i thought perhaps i might sound insensitive but there has been precedent set by others who run provinces while they're in quarantine uh, uh, facing death because uh, uh, it has been proven that this pandemic it kills 
but because they, they, they love what they do and they're committed uh, to what they're doing, I, I, I mean, in all this uh, uh, interaction, there must be someone sick. Even yesterday, we were told that, I mean, in all these provinces, now I, one is tempted to believe that I think it's an excuse to run away from accountability. But like I said earlier on, I did not want to sound unreasonable, insensitive, and uncaring. But it can't perpetually be an excuse that on the day people get sick sequentially. If we're coming to Northwest, there will be someone sick in Northwest. If we are going to Mpumalanga, there will be someone sick. They were not sick yesterday because we're in Northwest. Now that we are, we are here, they are sick. Tomorrow, when you go somewhere, maybe they will recover. I don't want to sound insensitive, Chair, but uh, from all this engagement, I have not received any apology or excuse from this uh, committee of us having been sick. Perhaps one day when we need to account somewhere, we'll be affected. But, uh, uh, Chair, having said that, uh, one must not be quoted as being uh, insensitive, but it's a frustration that when we get reports, when we get uh, 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 the number of uh, information, we, we spend time, we interact, interrogate, and uh, draft a question for us to get answers. And on the day of a meeting, someone is sick. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Hadem. I initially, I didn't want to raise this, but I thought the DG was going to connect. And then this prompts me to also look at this apology because initially I thought it changed me. I must say that, but colleagues, this apology was sent yesterday evening by the Premier. And then it reads, that's why I'm saying, unless there's a concerted effort to undermine this committee. Please be advised that owing an urgent and unforeseen engagement, I shall not be able to partake to the briefing taking place tomorrow. 2020 August. And then, under the circumstances, you presume it's urgent and unforeseen engagement. Then you expect the Premier to have made arrangements with his DG and senior management team in respect to respect the decorum of this committee to make sure that they are in this meeting. Then the acting, the leader of the delegation comes to the meeting, is not even aware the whereabouts of the DG until we ask where's the DG. That's when this issue of the DG being sick. Still, verbal, no, no, no delegation authority is done because I don't think if indeed she got sick, it was just a 20 minutes or 30 minutes before the meeting. She felt it's some hours earlier that she's not fit to come to the meeting, but that would it to delegate one of the senior subordinates 
to represent the office. So, MC Matangu, you must note that the absence of the Premier and the Air Office in this meeting. The committee is not taking kind of it. Hence, we'll ask the Premier to explain. Maybe she will have to tell us what agent engagements when a date. She could have asked for a postponement of this meeting if she found this agent important engagement than um, nothing more important than us exercising our oversight responsibility to the province in terms of the national disaster management act. She could have done that. She could have asked if indeed there was commitment under the circumstances. So I hope we're going to take the message home. And then we'll need that further correspondence from the Premier to explain herself on the conduct of the officials. HODF, we will ask to start to respond. Then your MEC will add up if there are matters that. Uh, MEC Matlangu, can you mute that microphone? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Honourable Chairperson and Honourable Members. Um, I'll start with the, the responses. Um, the first question was about the, uh, the PPEs itself and how many service providers. Um, in total, we've had about 49 service providers that have provided the PPEs to a value of about 373, $337,265,000. Um, the details of the service providers I can be able to provide to the honourable members. But in terms of the rental vehicles, we as a department did not spend any money on the rental vehicles. And how many uh, companies uh, had to uh, did we pay for the car hiring? In, the, in our province, what we do is we have a service provider that is appointed at the depot. And that service provider has been appointed over the three years. For three years, he was appointed in 2018. And uh, the service provider is the one that does the distribution to all our uh, facilities. So we have not paid anything additional for, for car hire or for, for the rental of the, the vehicles to deliver PPEs. In terms of the procurement of the PPEs, um, our, the AG has also been auditing the PPEs in the department and the procurement, and they have de de given us a draft report that was issued of the PPE procurement until the 31st of July. And to date, they say that they have not uh, had any issues uh, that they have picked up in the department. We have also requested internal audit to conduct an audit to determine if there could be any fraud-related procurement of our PPEs. Um, in terms of the, the backpacks, uh, the umbrellas and the tablets, these were procured for our community health workers. The backpack that we procured uh, worked out to about 154 Rand, which includes VAT, and this is market-related prices for this item. Um, the backpacks we bought for our community health workers when they were doing the door-to-door -door screening because they had to have their uh, gloves, they had to put their sanitizers, they had to put their thermal scanners, all of this into the backpack, and we had procured it for each of the, uh, the team leaders. Um, in terms of the umbrellas, it was also branded and they were procured for about, I think it's between about 115 rands each. Um, this was for the community health workers as well during the community screening, the door-to-door. -door. Um, this is also market uh, related. 
Um, it was because it was also raining during that time. Um, there were some days that were very hot and the, the community health workers walk from uh, uh, door to door. And we were requested by even the prof shop to say that we should consider buying these backpack, uh, buying the umbrellas for them. Um, we branded them because uh, it was a problem as there were people that were going around pretending to be uh, from the department and they were uh, holding people up or they were stealing from them. So we said that they need to know that they are, they are branded so that they know they're from the department themselves when they do go from house to house. In terms of the tablet that we had procured, these were procured at a cost of about 3,960 per tablet and is also market related. Um, we should note that uh, honorable members that the department used the RT15 contact with Vodacom to procure these items. This is also was procured for the team leaders of our community health teams so that when the uh, tools, the, the screening tools were captured by the community health workers, the team leader could be able to consolidate all of that information. And the cost of the, 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 the so-called tablets also included data which was accessed by the tablets themselves, but also by additional 2,000 uh, SIM cards, which were donated for, by the phones were donated by the National Department of Health. So it also included the, the data for those uh, 2,000 uh, SIM cards um, as well. In terms of the, the, the SIU, uh, the SIU chairperson it has been uh, has is in the department already, and they have requested information from the department. We are cooperating with them and providing all the information that they asked. And I'm sure once the process is finished, then the findings will also be shared uh, with the department as well as with the with the province. Um, so we 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 are we are cooperating with them. We are also making sure that we are compliant with all the regulations issued by the National and Provincial Treasury in terms of the procurement relating to the to the COVID. Um, in terms of uh, the second surge, yes, we have our plans that we are ready with um, to ensure that we are ready for the second surge, which we can be able to share with the with the honourable members as well. In terms of um, Honourable Inkalipi's question about Whitbank Hospital, yes, it is true that there was a shooting incident last year where the person got into the hospital and, and uh, shot the person that he shot outside. Um, it did cause a lot of problems in the, in the, in the uh, province, but what we have done subsequently was that there were some CCTV cameras that were there before, and we have made sure that we've we uh, activated those CCTV cameras. We've increased the number of uh, security guards there. We've also ensured that the fence and the, the gates uh, were, were revamped. And uh, we also changed the parking uh, rules of the hospital where nobody could come and park inside the hospital uh, unless they had somebody that was sick. But we were requested, they were requested to walk, park outside. And Public Works is also busy with uh, assisting us to ensure that we have the turnstiles for, for people to be able to be scanned before they, they enter the hospital so that if they have any metal uh, uh, items, it will be able to be picked up. Um, in terms of Mapulaneng Hospital, um, yes, the new hospital has been. Hello. Yes, my yes, uh, Chairperson. Before you even go further, because then uh, you will discourage members to listen to you if you don't clear this issue of tablets now. Okay. You said they costed three thousand, but there's a document three thousand around the tablets. But the document that is here in terms of the expenditure cost from your department 
It says uh, branded pack backpacks, they were 154.68 grand. Then tablets at Vodacom, it was uh, 5,357.85. So when you say tablets costed 3,000 and you bought 320 tablets at the cost of, should be what? Uh, Seventeen thousand one four five. Well, that figure also to me doesn't add up, but you can talk to it. Okay. Less um, costing thousand rand or five thousand three hundred and fifty-seven rand, and you bought three hundred and twenty of them. Okay, can I can I respond, to Honourable Chairperson? Yes. Okay, the the tablets that we procured, um, the the cost that you see there is the cost for for four months. So the cost of the tablet each was four hundred and ninety nine rand per month, and um, the 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 rest of the the rest of the costs there is the were for. It's uh, after the it's a it's a payment that we were paying for 12 months and then after it will become the department's uh, property. It will become the asset of the department. So we took it over a 12 month period. So so where does the three thousand comes from? Um, the in terms of the tablets itself, the the. The, the the tablet itself was for for ten months, and the um, data is for the twelve months, and that includes the uh, the one that I mentioned. We were paying for the two thousand um, uh, SIM cards as well. So SIM card was two thousand rand. No, no chairperson, it's the data. What happened was national department also donated cell phones to us, which was 2000, which included the 2000 SIM cards. So that 2000 SIM cards, we also linked it to the same contract for the data. So the data that we had procured was for these 320 tablets and it was for the um, uh, 2000 cell phones that were being used. And the total expenditure that you see there was at the end, it was, it was including four months of uh, expenditure. It was not just one month. Four months of expenditure. It's not one month. It's not one month of expenditure. So if is this figure okay? Because you yes, four months we 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 see that, but then is this figure so you got three hundred and twenty of them? Uh, three hundred and twenty tablets we've got. So we, we procured that 320 tablets on the uh, RT15 contract of uh, Vodacom. That's the national contract with Vodacom, um, including the, 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 the data. And when we work out the data, how much it would have cost us for, the, uh, for each of the um, uh, cell phones as well as the uh, tablets, it works out to about 79 rand per month. Okay, so you decided to put the summarized information, but nevertheless, the colleagues will follow up. Okay, that then we are trying to 
listen to you and look at the documents submitted, then one then start to have some serious reservations whether you are telling the truth or not. But proceed, given what is on paper and what you are saying. So you rather then explain it or also refer to the papers. It will assist a great deal. Okay, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Um, I, I, uh, do I continue? Yes, proceed. Okay. Um, in terms of the uh, Makulaning Hospital, the old and the new hospital, it's true that we have started uh, building of the new hospital. To date, in terms of the phase one and phase two of the hospital, we have spent about 235 million. Um, this 235 million was for phase one and phase two of the hospital, which included the palisades um, and fences, as well as the, the access road to the, to the new uh, uh, buildings that will be coming up. And it also included the bulk services. For this financial year, Department of Public Works has appointed the contractors to start the building. And we have set aside as a department 235 million for the building of the new Mapulining Hospital. In terms of Rob Ferreira Hospital and long queues, uh, we will be installing a queue management system at Rob Ferreira Hospital in this year. We had installed it in Temba Hospital and we piloted it there and we see that it is assisting. So we will be putting this system in Rob Ferreira as well. In terms of Temba Hospital and the, the, the machine that was not being used, it was the CT scanner that we had procured in the, for the hospital. What happened at that time was that a full-time radiologist was appointed at the hospital, but the radiologist had then resigned. So the only way we can make a, a, use the CT scan is if that the hospital has a, a full-time radiologist. So during that period when the AG was there, there was, the scanner was not being used because the radiologist had resigned. So we have, in the, at the moment, it is fully functional because we have appointed a full-time radiologist. Um, in terms of the, 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 the question on the radio jingles, Honorable Chairperson, um, the, the radio jingles that we are referring to as a department is the, uh, the voice recordings that we have of our Honorable MEC that we, uh, we play on the radio stations, which is the community radio stations and the local radio stations. So there's no um, outside person that we have agreements with um, who, who does the, the, the radio jingles themselves. Um, in terms of the quarantine site in, in Belfast, we did not uh, have quarantine sites in all the, the, the different local municipalities because firstly it was also going to be quite uh, a task for us to be able to provide staff in each and every quarantine site and especially if the site was not going to be used. So the patients that, were, that needed to be quarantined, we were quarantining them either at Whitbank Dam or in Emalashleni. So in that regard, we, uh, we, we tried to make sure that we had um, quarantine sites in each of the district rather than each of the sub-districts. In terms of the PPEs, Emakazeni, um, that it's, it's, there's, there's problems with the roads, our PPEs are transported to each of our clinics. So wherever there are our clinics, there's an access road to the clinic itself. And that is how we were transporting the PPEs. So the PPEs were going to all our facilities from our provincial depot. It goes to our hospitals as well as to our, our clinics. 
In terms of Honorable Hadebe spoke about us reporting to, to provincial treasury within 30 days. Um, as a department, we are reporting on a weekly basis to provincial treasury. We report on COVID expenditure on uh, every Wednesday to uh, provincial treasury. Maybe here I can also say, Honorable Chairperson, that we do, we do all of the prices are there in the, on the practice notes. We do also try to negotiate for lower prices. And um, we have also managed to um, have the prices lowered by almost 331 million from the national treasury prices. So if we had played the prices that were exactly on the practice notes, the, the, the limits, we would have spent 331 million more. In terms of the, the, the flagship and the legacy projects, um, what we believe will be, be our legacy projects are the renovations that we've mentioned, for example, Barberton TB Hospital, um, where we've renovated the whole hospital. Um, also, the renovations that we've done at Tonga Hospital, which will be used as the, the eye ward. We've also managed to increase the ICU capacity. And this is linked to the question that the Honorable Chairperson also asked about our reliance on Gauteng. So we, with the, with the additional beds that we'll be having at Rafferera and Whitbank, as well with the increased capacity in terms of ICU, it will limit our dependence on uh, Gauteng as uh, well as um, the private sector for, for the critical care. Uh, in terms of the app that we were using, this app was, was developed together with our uh, development partners, uh, Broadreach in particular, and so the department did not have to pay for the app itself. Um, in terms of the, the amount of money that we have for the awareness, there is 15 million that has been allocated. This includes for the posters, for all our newspapers, for um, the radio jingles, for the, the, the flighting on the radio stations, both local as well as the, the community radio stations. The, the 5 million uh, rand for catering was in our quarantine sites because when the patients were uh, admitted to the quarantine sites or to the isolation sites, we had to provide them with food. Um, some of them where it was even donated, where the sites were donated, we didn't provide, we didn't have to pay for the accommodation, but we did provide uh, catering. And uh, many of them were also self-catering. So we didn't have to provide cooked food. We were providing them with the groceries itself so that they can be able to, uh, uh, to, to cook for themselves. Um, in terms of the Cuban doctors, uh, yes, the initial understanding and the agreement was that National Department was going to pay for them, but uh, subsequently National Department then wrote and said that the departments, the provincial departments will have to bear the cost for the, uh, the Cuban uh, brigade that was here to assist with, the, with COVID. Um, Honorable Chairperson, I'm not sure if there's any questions that I left out. These are the questions that I had, had managed to capture. But if there's anything that I have not answered, I'm, I'm willing to, to try and answer again. Or some of them I may be able to, to also provide in, in writing if I have not uh, given you sufficient details. Thanks, Chairperson. Ms. Manzini, do you want to add on what the HOD is? Yes, yeah, no, no. Yes, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, and uh, greetings to the members of the of Parliament. Maybe what I can add is that uh, we we welcome the input that is made by honourable members to us as the Department of Health in the province. Every time we appear to the legislature or today we are in Parliament, we take any input very serious that will make us to improve on the on providing the quality health care service to our people. I agree with um, 
Honorable, I didn't hear you properly. The first Honorable member who talked about the issue that uh, as a department, uh, we, we, we tried our best to make sure that uh, we kept the spread of this COVID-19. And but of course, agreeing that the issue of corruption is a challenge, not only to the Department of Health, but to the whole country during this uh, pandemic. And it's something that all of us, we should condemn and make sure that it doesn't happen under our nose and we don't allow that to happen. And uh, indeed, we agree that uh, we need to, uh, to make sure that uh, every time in terms of uh, the PPE distribution and all that, it is equally so. Hence, as a province, we can say that uh, we are working very close to with uh, the unions uh, in terms of monitoring the PPEs. In fact, as an MEC, I always tell the healthcare workers, if you don't have proper PPE, you don't work. So hence, we are taking the matter of safety of our employees very serious, and we don't want to lose even one of our healthcare workers because we have a shortage as it is. So we can't afford to have one of them being in quarantine or, of course, losing uh, their lives. So we are taking the issue of uh, uh, safety very serious as a department and as a, as a province. And uh, maybe also to indicate that um, uh, Honorable Lusain, I agree with you that uh, Western Cape and also Mpumalanga, we are a tourist province, and uh, we have seen in terms of the first cases that we had, some of them were tourists, and uh, hence, during that time, uh, as a province, we managed to keep the spread of the virus uh, very well in terms of identifying where the hotspot, to us, even if it was less than 20 people that were positive, we took that as a hotspot, hence, we managed to uh, make sure that it doesn't spread so quickly. So, but you'll understand that once it started to uh, spread internally into our communities, that's when it started uh, then to to be a challenge for us also as a province. But I can say that uh, the team that we're having as a province, they've done well. Hence, we have registered the 92% of uh, the recoveries as a province. So we are working well with uh, our healthcare workers, hence we always say that we appreciate the good work that they are doing uh, in the province. And um, in terms of what, uh, uh, whether we're ready in terms of uh, uh, if the numbers are going to continue to increase in the province, yes, we can say that uh, the, with the Honorable Premier in the province, we managed to, to launch the word-based model that will make sure that the involvement of the key different stakeholders in the communities. And also what we did as a department is that when we were seeing other provinces, even before we started to register even one death as a province, we looked at the data and then we said, what can we do to make sure that our people, as much as some of them are going to be infected, but they're not going to lose their life, hence we launched the clinic-based model to say, we are looking at those that are uh, having comorbidities in our different clinics and work, uh, making sure that they take their medication so that they can be stable. And also to say over and above that we are saying those with 60 years and above should not go out. Also, we are saying they must not do the same. They must stay at home so that we know that they are at high risk should they be infected with the COVID-19. So we have worked very well with the different stakeholders in the province to assist us in terms of uh, educating our people in terms of what they need to do and uh, what uh, the, 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 the protocols that they need to follow. 
also I, I can say that that also assisted us in the province to delay the increase that uh, we are seeing in other provinces. Hence, we, we can say that uh, it has worked to our advantage as a province. The issue of um, um, yeah, the issue of what happened in in you know, in Woodbank, Honourable Mkalipi, yes, it was uh, something that uh, was taken serious by us. Hence, the HOD has indicated that there are, there are measures in place. In fact, the Honourable Prima came in very close and assisted us in terms of making sure that not only uh, Whitbank, but also all our facilities are safe. So if you can look at the measure that we've put in place since then, we have not seen many incidents in our facilities of which it has assisted us as a province. Hence, we are it's working with different stakeholders because these people who are causing problems, these are members of the community, they go to the facility and they start fighting among themselves there. So it's something that we are working with the municipality to assist us in that regard. Um, in terms of the ambulances and all that, that was raised by an honorable member from Makaz Belfast. I think we, we have tried to make sure that we buy ambulances. I think in the past three years, we bought 1740-something, and then this year we are buying 64 around that HOD. So I think we are trying to from make sure that we are on a daily basis. We put budget aside for ambulances in the province, and I've also asked private sector, wherever we go, because we do have mines, they are also now assisting us in terms of donating uh, those the ambulances, which is something that uh, it will assist us as a province. Uh, in terms of uh, Honorable Hadebe, that there was the um, article making allegations. I, I don't think it's allegations. The provincial treasurer has published uh, the, the, the procurement that was made to the province. Hence, everything that we are seeing on the media is something that was published by the provincial treasurer, of course, as led by the Honorable Premier. And all these departments, they were identified by the Honorable Premier to say uh, these are the like culture, your COPTA, and the provincial treasurer and other entities. And then Department of Health, there is SIUs already in the department. They've already started. Uh, uh, we are waiting to see uh, so that all these allegations can be uh, can be proven so that those who have done wrong in terms of making sure that. Uh, the limited resources that we're having as a country. Because, of course, there's no way that we can allow uh, our people to be robbed of the services that we are supposed to get. So if there's anyone who, has, who have done what is not supposed to, uh, we are happy that SIU is in the department, and uh, then we'll be able to uh, test these allegations that are there. Because some of the things of which I understand the public, like, for example, if a person talk about umbrella, and we are seeing it on the media. You don't even know what the umbrella was, why people bought umbrellas. But because during the time when we started with the COVID-19, there was there were, it was raining, and uh, we were not we were unable to report. Hence, there was that uh, decision to say at the prop job, why don't you buy? In fact, they were saying, why don't you buy them a raincoat, those those clothing for rain? Then it was decided to say it's better to buy an umbrella because they can use this during the rain when it's raining. And also maybe when it's hot, they can use it. But it was mainly because uh, we were unable to report by that time. Then, uh, therefore, but of course, we will understand the public. We see uh, all of a sudden there are umbrellas. And you don't even know what these umbrellas are for. Uh, so we, it, it is understandable for honorable members to seek clarity 
to say how on how can we just uh, out of nowhere decide during to use COVID but uh, nineteen money to buy for umbrella. So I think uh, uh, those explanations from time to time it must be given. We are monitoring uh, the expenditure in the different departments, in our departments, uh, chair and honourable members, and uh, we are not going to allow any um, corruption happening in the department because if there are certain people who have done something which is wrong, of course, as I've said, AG is there, SIU is there, uh, we are going to make sure that these people are accountable to, to, to those law, law enforcement that are, are, are there. I think, uh, Chair, that's where I can stop because I think the HOD have tried to deal with most of the issues that were raised. Thank you, Chairperson. HOD Education. The HOD of Education and is in Majovai. Yes, Chair, I think uh, he's uh, there. Let me check him. You don't have to check him. If he's here, he must, he must just respond to the issues that are. Education related before I hand over to you. Hello? It's no, got a, a problem with the system. Maybe I can deal with them. Okay, it's fine. No, thank you, Chair. Uh, let's appreciate. Uh, questions from honorable members. I think that they were quite spot on in terms of us having to provide uh, the accountability in terms of what is expected. Honorable Nunkalipi is asking a question about uh, what happened to the 249 sanitation problems uh, and why, how did we deal uh, with them. What we can say, Chair, is that uh, uh, all the 249 uh, sanitation toilets which uh, are outstanding in the province are presently being uh, attended to by the Department of Public Works. And we can say that uh, some of them are dealt with as uh, short term measures, and some of them uh, are at the long term. Uh, measure which are being uh, built by public works, but uh, we can say that uh, there is a bit of uh, slowness in terms of them dealing with projects as, uh, as, as, as speedily as possible. That is why in some of those schools where there are challenges, we're providing mobile toilets as of now, so as we can be able to deal. But in some where there are peak latrines, we have uh, requested that they be uh, cleaned and some chemicals be put in there, but it must be something that must be done as, uh, at, at a very short term level, so as we can be able to deal with the question of providing uh, mobile uh, uh, toilets there. 
Uh, when it comes to the school in the mine there, they call it Modarach School, where they say there is no water and the mine is causing some problems there. And also Leo Bank already, uh, the school is providing to be uh, shifted from that area. And as such, uh, we are looking into that issue. But for now, we have made sure that water is provided uh, in that uh, uh, school. The next question was uh, from Honorable Mbumza, um, talking about uh, 74 uh, overcrowding schools and what is it that we are doing to deal with those overcrowding schools in the province. You can say that uh, uh, the challenge of, uh, of, of overcrowding and infrastructural shortage is a challenge in the province and also uh, I can say throughout the country, but we're mitigating against that overcrowding during this time of COVID-19 by making sure that we deal with the question of platooning, as I said, and also rotational measures of making sure that these learners come in different alternate days and weeks. That's how we are dealing with the question of overcrowding. Uh, when it comes to the question of uh, estimating the money that is allocated for uh, refurbishing vandalized schools, we have done proper assessment uh, to check, and we are quite uh, positive that uh, the amount is adequate because the assessment was done uh, in a scientific manner. Uh, the question of water tanks uh, were provided by the Department of Water, Water Affairs and also uh, the rain water also delivered some water tanks in the province and also delivered uh, some water. But we also had a challenge sometimes where we find that tanks were delivered but criminals would come and steal those tents. And always, even when we say that we have got uh, enough tents, but there would always be a shortage. When they were coming to steal, they would also steal the tents and what have you. But uh, we managed also to deal with that. As, as, as such, as of now, we don't have much serious problem in terms of water storage. It might just be a challenge of water when it is supposed to, to be poured into those tanks because Old Mutual came to the space and supplied us with tanks, uh, but also some of them, we also get some of them uh, from different municipalities. The community disruptions that uh, we sometimes find them being there are as a result of uh, the question of uh, procurement of these uh, hygienic packs for COVID-19, such as masks, uh, sanitizers. Different communities would feel that uh, they are entitled that they need to be given uh, those, uh, those, uh, those uh, contracts to supply those masks and what have you. Others don't even uh, beat 
but they just think that because they are in that area, it is them who are supposed to get uh, such uh, contracts for procurements. But uh, we engage with them and try to deal with the uh, challenges that uh, are there. I think those are the questions one has managed to get, unless if there is one which I, uh, I left. I think the HOD, if he has come back, will be able to add on it. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Miss. There is something that the HOD of Social Development want to say before I recognize the MEC. Social Development. Uh, thank you, um, Chairperson. I'm going to um, start with the uh, question that was raised on the uh, distribution of um, food parcels, uh, where we indicated that we were distributing 100 food parcels per ward as a result of a decision that was taken by the uh, command council. Um, I would like the, the members to look at um, slide number 19. On slide number 19, the 100 food parcels per ward was applicable only to those um, food parcels that were received from the uh, Department of Agriculture um, through the government uh, nutrition program. So it was applicable only to those uh, 40,000 food parcels. The, the, the rest of the, the food parcels, uh, uh, those that were distributed under the CNDCs, uh, those that were distributed by social development under social relief, uh, the various uh, donations that were received, the SASA, and also the Department of Education donations. And that uh, rule of um, 100 food parcels per ward was not followed. And instead, we used the, the data that was um, kept by the uh, department through the screening uh, process. I just wanted to just clarify that the, the 100 food parcels per ward was only applicable to the 40,000 um, food parcels from the Department of um, Agriculture. And then in terms of the, 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 the pricing committee, uh, where the decision was taken that we should uh, cost the, the food parcels at 805 rands, 81 cents. Um, that uh, pricing committee was mainly um, set up to address the food parcels 
uh, that we were getting from the Department of Agriculture. And in terms of the uh, distribution costs, the transportation costs, um, the government uh, transport was used uh, to transport the food from the, uh, the food bank to the different um, districts. And then from the, the various uh, districts to uh, the sub-districts again, uh, there was a transportation that was obtained from the uh, Department of Public Works. We partnered with the uh, public works in the different um, districts and sub-districts so that we then transport the, the, the food parcels to the different um, sub-districts where they were then taken by our officials to, to, to the various um, wards. And again, this specifically uh, was more applicable to um, the, the, the food parcels that we got from the um, Department of um, Agriculture. For, for the rest of the, the other programs, um, like the, the, the social relief, the prices that we used were slightly different. And we were, we were having a price of 900 uh, rands, which factored in the, the, the transportation costs. And um, there was also um, a question in terms of the, the, the economic future plan for the unemployed um, women. And this is one of the issues that were discussed in one of our meetings, that um, moving forward, the uh, Department of Social Development should um, lead a team uh, that will comprise uh, various departments. Uh, it will include the Department of uh, Economic uh, Development. It will include the Department of um, Agriculture. And it will include other relevant stakeholders that will be um, identified. And the main aim would be to, to find a way of um, addressing the, the, the plight of the unemployed, unemployed women with the aim of uh, trying to empower them so that they can be able, able to, to survive beyond uh, COVID-19 and also not be dependent on social relief for the rest of their lives. So the, the mandate that was also given to social development is that we should uh, report to the provincial management committee and ultimately to the executive council in terms of those uh, plans that we have, uh, we shall have uh, developed in this regard. And then, um, Chair, there was also a question on um, the, the offices that in the deep rural areas, Department of Social Development does not have offices. And how do we intend to, to, to address this? 
the biggest challenge that we are having here is the, uh, the challenge of budgetary um, constraints and the issue of um, departmental offices has been raised with um, provincial treasury and uh, also with a national treasury during the uh, engagements that we have had with them. Uh, we will continue engaging uh, treasury in this regard and we will also uh, ensure that we, we engage um, public works in terms of the various uh, options that can be followed but what is key would be for uh, uh, the department to get additional funding so that we can then be able to to address the the, the issue of um the the, the shortage of offices of the non-availability of dsd offices in the deep um, rural areas there, there was also a a, a question of uh, the, the the management fee uh, with regard to to the management fee, this was a case that happened in one of the the, the centers that was used by by the department, which is a center that was not um, initially earmarked for 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 for, for um, COVID nineteen. It is a center that was established with the aim of addressing uh, issues of um, substance abuse. And uh, the contract that was in place was um, a three-year contract which uh, catered for you know, a comprehensive range of um, services and not um, just a, a catering. And uh, we have realized that whilst the service uh, provider was used by the district office to assist with the um, COVID-19 um, cases of the homeless people, they, they wrongly used that contract when we should have had a separate um, contract for the homeless people, which separate contract would have then excluded all the other uh, comprehensive services that were initially included in the three-year contract. However, the department is in the process of engaging the service provider so that uh, the, the corrective measures can then be taken to ensure that the proper um, invoices are then issued, which will exclude um, the, the, the management fee because indeed the management fee is not applicable to uh, the COVID-19 cases that were accommodated at, at that center. And uh, with regard to the um, inflated uh, prices on the, on the, on the uh, PPEs, uh, this also happened in our dis districts because the procurement of uh, PPEs was decentralized to the district. And the department, the provincial office, is the one that picked up the challenges that we have with regard to the high prices in our district. And uh, subsequent to that, there were engagement that were held 
with the um, districts and also with the service providers. And what we picked up during the engagement was that uh, the prices that were initially used by the service providers were uh, used before the treasury uh, guidelines were given to um, the, 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 the departments. But however, subsequent to that, the prices were then lowered after the engagement with um, the various uh, service providers. Chair, uh, I think I've basically covered all the, the questions. Thank you. MEC? Yes, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, there was a question about the SRD grant, why women are less in terms of uh, uh, beneficiaries. We want to indicate that, yes, men are more in terms of uh, beneficiaries because most of the women are receiving grants, are receiving other grants, but for the SRD, in terms of the applications, then they became less, as indicated in the slide there. And also that we are continuing with that process of still motivating our people encouraging them, uh, those that are have, uh, have problems in terms of their application to the SRD grant, that they must continue because there's an application uh, appeal uh, process that has been opened by the, the minister so that they can uh, benefit. I think in terms of the, um, the 100 per watt, uh, that was just the decision of the Command Council that the food must stretch, uh, the food distribution must stretch at least to all the wards because in Pumalanga we have 400 wards. Then uh, uh, the 100 will cover all the wards, but it was not just that 40,000 only as indicated uh, by, the, uh, by the acting uh, HOD. And we want to indicate as a, a, a department that we set and scrutinized uh, uh, the, the, the spending of, of COVID. That's why we even picked up um, the, the management fee uh, of, of that uh, uh, district. And we also want to indicate to the committee that most of the PPEs were bought at the district uh, level because uh, most of the food distributions were happening at the sub-district uh, uh, levels. So, but however, after picking up the uh, inflation or, 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 uh, uh, of those prices, the acting HOD had to call the district managers as well as engaging those uh, service providers that they must stick to the directives of the of the treasury so that's uh, what i can uh, indicate uh, to, uh, to the uh, committee uh, in terms of those offices we note uh, 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 Ms. Uh, honorable mkalipi and we'll make sure that we elevate this to the uh, 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 esco in terms and, and the budget uh, 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 committee in terms of seeing that 
how many offices uh, 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 can we put, but it is because we have a limited uh, uh, budget, but we make sure that in each and every uh, sub-district, there's an office of, of social uh, development. Thank you. Thank you so much, MEC Shongwe. HOD Cocktail. Before I ask the MEC to come in. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thanks so much, Chairperson. Uh, indeed, uh, we have received these questions, and perhaps let me start with what Honorable Hussein actually dealt with. And I'm sure after I have actually presented, my embassy will come in and, 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 and actually deal with some of the areas where I may have left off. But with regards to the prize of 2,572, which was published, of course, I must just say, Chair, that um, we submit to public scrutiny. We, we are very happy that the process will take place. Uh, I'm not sure if there is any disturbance, but 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 we need to have indicated Chen, uh, that uh, already as the allegations were coming up, uh, the Auditor General was busy in the department and they took that opportunity to also look into the matter. Uh, and they found no wrongdoing in the department as the Auditor General coming with the final draft letter, which was indicating we are a clean audited uh, department. But it will be interesting because the SIU came into the department. I have actually explained as the accounting officer uh, that we are not a department that received any grant because the scope of the SIU was actually directed to departments that receive grants. Uh, to that effect, we would have been a part of the SIU. Nonetheless, I had submitted uh, to the SIU and cooperated that indeed, even beyond the fact that of departments that received any grants, but we welcome any scrutiny from their side, including the other investigators that will be coming through uh, to look into this matter. What I can highlight, though, Chair, is that uh, we have actually submitted and complied with the Treasury instructions both the national one as well as the program. The circular three, uh, which was actually giving the ceilings of the prizes, as well as circular five, which was quite clear in terms of repealing circular number three, was also in compliance with the department. So it will be quite interesting to see how the investigators and whoever else that will scrutinize will arrive at a different decision by the Auditor General. So in this instance, Chair, we are very confident, we are very welcoming. In fact, we actually, uh, uh, are saying that it is a process that should have actually been embarked on for all the departments that actually uh, rolled out the COVID program. But we confident uh, where we are uh, that the scrutiny will help us actually uh, deal with these matters. Going to the the questions uh, that were asked by Honorable Teza, uh, I think uh, he was spot on when it comes to the issue of new town in Steve Chouette. Yes, there are appalling conditions of biological toilets there that were there, but he would actually attest to the fact that this has been minimized because we had actually worked together with the municipality through the MIC interventions to ensure uh, that there is proper installation of sewers. In other words, the sewer network that was uh, a shortfall there, but also the pump stations, including the wastewater treatment plant upgrading for that matter. Uh, that situation uh, will uh, be at some point be exhausted uh, in terms of all the toilets being convected
from biological to waterborne toilets. But indeed, it's correct that with the help of human settlements, some have been moved to Ward 28 uh, so that they pro are provided with the proper uh, uh, housing uh, uh, structures there. I must just indicate that when it comes to LED that he has raised, uh, we have interacted with all the districts because we believe, Chair, uh, that the district development model approach shall help us to regionalize the impact that is required to support the local municipalities within each of the districts. You may have heard, Chair, as the chairperson of the portfolio, that we have had a number of problems in terms of LED and LED forums, including the rollout of the LED strategies, where uh, there are people in the communities who claim the 30% entitlement, you know, some of them disturbing the bidding and the procurement processes in municipalities, some actually claiming that they are, uh, they are from the business chambers and they are entitled to be awarded with certain tenders. All of that has had a very negative adverse uh, impact on the rollout of, of the LED. Also, uh, actually having an impact on the participating on the participation of investors in these LED forums. And we have actually recently submitted to our provincial exco uh, for a new re a renewed provincial strategy of how we're going to resuscitate uh, the LED uh, in the province, especially if we were to elevate it at a district level, just so that we can have economies of scales. You know, there has been uh, a number of uh, proposals to say uh, better we do it, you know, collectively there at the regional uh, level so that we can actually have an impact uh, at that level than when it is at a minute level with each of the local municipalities. That chairperson, I think, is a portfolio that is also uh, responsible for monitoring our performance. We will actually get time uh, when allowed to actually give progress in this regard because we pride ourselves that we are already seeing uh, some uh, positive interventions at the district level with the local economic development agencies that should be established uh, with all the district municipalities. Coming to the other questions, Chairperson, that you asked, uh, the issue of the, say, maybe let me start with the provincial master plan for water, the provincial water master plan. Yes, we have it in place, Chair, but it is old enough uh, that it warrants a review now. It has actually completed its five-year term, and we are now embarking with the assistance of DBSA to improve uh, so that we can actually uh, address the, the current challenges uh, as well as, as you know, the pressures of COVID uh, in this regard. Uh, but also the issue of the water master plans as well as the water services development plans in municipalities. Again, Chair, there are some municipalities that are in place, but warrant some reviewal while some have had a problem and a challenge that they couldn't actually have that in place. And that's why MISA has been coming on the board, uh, assisting those municipalities to actually at least have uh, some sustainable plan in terms of water provision. But Chair, again, we can do this uh, uh, in a, a very clear format uh, in response and writing so that you could actually pick up which are those municipalities with those um, uh, viable plans and which are those that still warrant some reviews in them. Chair, I must also say that in terms of the COVID uh, containment and recovery plans, uh, all sets of departments, including municipalities, have been directed by our provincial command council as well as monitored by the provincial command center 
that these plans are put in place. So uh, you would have seen in our provincial cocktail uh, uh, consolidated plan uh, that I think uh, the presentation was forwarded to yourself, Chair, that all departments would attest to the fact that those uh, COVID uh, containment and recovery plans was a must. And it was such a directive from both the Command Council as well as ESCO that they should have them in place uh, so that we can secure a proper rollout of the interventions uh, that are identified there. Chair, I marveled on your question when you asked about the IDPs and how we are actually ensuring that COVID is addressed through that, those plans. Indeed, this is a place, this is a matter that is quite sitting close to our MSC using his Section 32 of the Municipal Systems Act, that when we assess all these IDPs, we should question and we ask difficult questions whether COVID is properly accommodated there, whether the strategies uh, are in place in terms of, you know, uh, responding and also uh, in a second wave, if it, it can be possible. Something that is quite linked and close to the, the strategic plan that was actually presented by HOD for, for health, but also, Chair, the, the issues of uh, land invasion, which is quite a, a scourge, beginning to be a scourge in the province. How well are we preventing on that and to what extent are we implementing the land use management schemes uh, and all the strategies as, as, as advocated in the SPLUMA, the Special Planning and Land Use Management Act. Uh, uh, the issues of um, gender-based violence, Chair, are things that we ask in the IDP be properly located and they must, be, must resonate well in terms of the interventions that should be there, as well as uh, a topic that people are afraid to deal with. That's the topic about the graveyards, Chair, uh, because in reality, we actually aren't uh, advocating that we should dig graves, but at least we should be prepared, especially on the side of local government, uh, that we should be ready with such sites in case uh, the scourge uh, uh, is such that, you know, we have more uh, fatalities in the province may, which may require that those graves should be in place. And then I think the MSC will also come in uh, is the, the question uh, that was asked uh, in passing uh, through Honorable Hussein by Honorable Krobla in the province. And indeed, Chair, as accounting officer, must say that those questions were responded to, not even once, but he also has a chance because tomorrow there is also a legislature assisting on the oral replies. The MEC is going to be having yet another opportunity to deal with the matter. I just want to just highlight, Chair, that indeed in Govenimbegi, Betal, as well as in Zunoni, uh, those specific areas were really under a serious problem. Um, the the whole of Govenimbegi, including Mbalenta, is is now owing about 2.1 billion. We have recently discussed with DPME in the presidency, uh, the district municipality, ourselves, provincial treasurer and the municipality, including ESCOM. And we have actually agreed that of the 77 million ESCOM wants as a prepayment for them to be able to install a mobile transformer just, just, just so that they can increase the supply of the N NMD, that is notified maximum demand, they needed that 77 million to be paid up front. Fortunately, Chair, the equitable share of the municipality was withheld by the by National Treasury due to the annual financial statements that were filed quite late and the audit outcome that just couldn't come 
uh, immediately after that, uh, National Treasury then decided to withhold uh, the equitable share. We used that opportunity chair to say, let's negotiate to say, uh, because all of the conditions that the municipality had to fulfill were fulfilled, and National Treasury was happy to release afterwards, uh, so that they would receive their equitable share by the 3rd of September. We then agreed that that money should be split uh, to its highest creditors like Rainwater and ESCOM, so that interventions that needed to be in place can actually continue and we could see a, a, a sort of like a relief uh, that can happen for the places of Betal and Imzunoni. But again, I'm just saying that the MEC, uh, maybe tomorrow during the legislature sitting, if the question is asked again, he will be able to actually deal with the matter with us supporting him on this matter. Thank you very much if I have covered all, uh, Chairperson. But should I have left some of the things, my leader is here uh, to respond to those. Thank you. Thank you, HOD, Copter. MEC, Steve. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Madam Chair. Let me start by the question you asked on border control. Um, on the gain that we have, okay, that the gain that we had in the province, and how far are we prepared in terms of, of border control or measures that were put into place? I've indicated that the chairperson of the Prof Joint is part our acting HOT and the provincial commissioner. Remember also the general from the South African National Defense Force are also sitting in our prof joint. There are program of roadblocks that take place to ensure that we avoid people coming in from, from the border of Mozambique and Swaziland. So we always do roadblocks run by the MEC for public safety, MEC Shabalan. Um, on the issue of communication, we have indicated usually we go to various radio stations on current affairs. We are paying nothing on current affairs. We are invited, we engage with the different radio stations and they give us a lot. People ask questions in the early hours of the morning. Usually we only pay after 10, so we avoid to go after 10. We call in the morning um, at, at 6 o'clock. The, the issues, let me just clarify the issues of the 100 per word food vis-a-vis the food provided by uh, DST. In complementing the, the food by DST, provincial joint, um, uh, command, provincial command center approved a budget of giving 100 people per word in complementing what is given by DST and we have utilized our CTWs to distribute that because they're in the payroll of COCTA so that we are not able to spend money in terms of uh, the distribution. On the, on the other issues, Chair, the issues that has been raised of Newtown, Steve Trade, the issues of Code of Conduct Councillors, the issues of um, short by uh, Dalstrom matter, these are matters that we have collated and we will instruct the HOT to make a follow up because. When we came here, we prepare about COVID matters. So when these matters arise, these are matters that we are going to to attend to and and, and resolve them, um, including the matters of the mining charters and the SLPs. Remember, it is within municipal jurisdiction of a mine where that where that should occur. We are going to ensure that we monitor that. 
On the issue of provision of electricity and, and, and water and sanitation, as the HOT has indicated, we have looked into the ITP's budget of each and, and every municipality, and we have since returned back where there are gaps. When they bring it back, Chair, we hope that they are going to plug the gaps that we have identified because in terms of the Constitution Chapter 7, the basic, the role of the municipality or local government is basic infrastructure. The issue of Mkondo Dam is underway. The Morocco issue, we've got both the immediate, medium, and long-term plans. On the immediate, we provide uh, water through water tankers, but on the medium, we're busy with the plan. In the long term, we're going to ensure that Mkombo Dam is being resuscitated to be able to to provide uh, our people of uh, Dr. Joseph Morocco with, with water. Um, the, the, the other issue in relation to government package, I must indicate to the portfolio committee, we, we have acknowledged and noted that the internal control system of government package collapsed. That's why they cannot uh, submit as they cannot, when they collect money of Zinone and Petal, instead of referencing the money and pay to the electrical debt, they pay to other activities. So we can simply say that in Covenant Bay, we have placed forensic investigation, which we are going to present within two weeks from now. And, Chair, we are taking report to the Executive Council. We are placing Covenant Bay under Section 139 1B. And if Executive Council is going to agree with the Department, we'll soon take over Covenant Bay because uh, things are falling apart in that municipality, including Liqua. We have already taken a decision on the on 139P. We are awaiting concurrence from the um, Honorable Minister. And we have taken a meeting a day before yesterday. We seem to find one another, except a few things where we others, uh, I think, things that we must put one C at Liqua, and the Executive Council is, 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 is resolved on, on, on 1P. So, Chair, these are, are the methods. That uh, I think the HOT has left them. The other issues will uh, actually respond to to the portfolio committee on those raises of said that they were not part of the questions that came to us. Thank you very much, uh, Chair. Thank you. And the question directed to the premium. Thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, with regard to economic recovery plan, the post-COVID-19 economic uh, landscape will be similar to a post-war economic landscape. The projected 7% decline to the national GDP is indicative of the challenges that are ahead of us. In Mpumalanga, we are projecting a negative growth rate of between 5% and 7% this year. The most affected uh, provincial economic center, I mean sector, and industries will be construction, trade, including tourism, manufacturing, as well as transport and communication. We are also projecting approximately 110,000 job losses attributable to COVID-19 in the current calendar year. 
a 50% of the job losses will be in construction, tourism, mining, and petrochemical industries. In order to stimulate the recovery of the Mpumalanga economic uh, post-COVID-19, the province has developed a three-pronged strategy for economic recovery. The strategy is it's premised upon a growth the agricultural industry, facilitation of large-scale manufacturing and growing the output of mining operations. All three sectors have been identified as key to the stimulation of economic recovery due to the consistent demand of the primary output in the industry. The province will also in investing growing the secondary production, logistic and agro-processing sector through ZSEZ. The agri-hub currently being constructed across the province, as well as in Bumalanga Fresh Produce Market, currently under construction here in Bombela. Uh, this is also to ensure that the provincial government has a significant interest in the agricultural uh, value chain and utilize the same interest as a catalyst to unlock economic activity for the creation of employment opportunities for the people of Mpumalang. With regard to temporary residential in the province as in the province the temporary residential units uh, area we decided not to embark on those projects, but rather intensify the ongoing program of upgrading informal settlement, which is uh, already underway. We don't have the infamous uh, sharks. Sharks. Chairperson, uh, with regard to SIU, the SIU is allowed to do its own investigation. As we speak now, there are ongoing investigation in the Department of Health. I didn't catch that. Could you try again? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The reason that there is a provincial investigation. There were discrepancies uh, related to COVID-19 expenditure. That's where the Premier felt that she must put in a team that will investigate on the expenditure in some departments. Chairperson, with regard to the mining issues, allow me to prepare a report or responses uh, 
and I will send it to your office before next week, Friday. Before next Correct. week, Friday. Yeah, yeah I think that. that's all. I'm trying to check. Can we get it later by Wednesday next week instead of Friday? Pardon? Wednesday, not Friday. Eh? Friday, Friday we are closing up next tomorrow. week Friday. When next week Wednesday. Isn't that you say next week Friday? Yes. Next okay. week Friday we're closing up on we'll be considering the minutes of all our meetings we've held. So it won't work for us if we were to get that report by Friday next week. Okay. No problem. So I'll I think Wednesday Wednesday it's back enough. Wednesday is fair enough for us to to, to, comp, to to finalize our reports. No problem, Chairperson. I will do so. Thank you. Are you done? Yes, Chairperson. I'm done for now because I thought they will just touch few things. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Colleagues, follow up questions. Questions follow up. Okay, you thought you are done. It can't be like that. This follow up questions. <laughs> okay, Chair, thank you. <laughs> Can I see show of hands? Hi, Debbie. With an H. Yes, sure. Who else? Oh, okay. Then that will be other. Then we, the colleagues might be damaged by suspects, unlike them. I will come in. Oh, So it's the two of you. Okay. Let's. Proceed. No, thanks, Chair. I'm a bit uh, confused, Chair. The 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 the, H, the first HOD that spoke when she was giving us prices in response to my question, she was very clear to say all the prices were market related. Um, I think the two MECs, including the last one, she's saying uh, uh, she's concurring that with what the Premier said, that there were discrepancies in, in, in prices and some of them were inflated, hence they're investigating. Now, I, I'm failing to understand which statement is uh, accurate and a true reflection of what's currently happening, what the HOD have narrated as prices that are market-related and nothing untowards in all the procurement. Yet the MECs are saying, uh, are concurring with the premier statement that there are irregularities in terms of pricing and they are going to investigate. I'd like to get an understanding what to make and which one to believe. Are there any discrepancies in procurement as per these departments that I've outlined? and the items that I've outlined. Or all these prices are market-related and there's nothing untoward. 
Can I just get a clarity on that one, Chair? Okay. So because then if what the HOD is saying, then what's the point of appointing an independent investigator to investigate prices that are market related according to, to, to because that will amount to fruitless and wasteful expenditure if we are told that there's nothing untowards. Okay. Honorable Cesar. I think, Chair, thank you. Thank you so much, Chair. I, I, I wanted to follow up on the question of uh, quarantine sites in Emma Kazini and 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 uh, the, the, the respond the the, the the person was responding. She she spoke she, she once again spoke about about Whitbank. I don't know if she understands Makazini municipality way ends uh, because if you are from there, you must be traveling at through through M4. There is 93.3 kilometers to Whitbank. That is an hour and three minutes. Chair. Now we are talking about people with comorbidities. And I'm asking a question pertaining to uh, on what basis was the decision to take people from that far? Because even if you would say that there is no, uh, it's it's N4, you will make an excuse and say it's N4, it's quicker. Take for instance, people that are living in Augustine, as far as Augustine given, the roads there because if i travel there chairperson uh with 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 a, with, 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 with a van uh, it will take me from 11 o'clock coming back at five back here at home so um, ambulances yes I can hear it, Chair. I can hear the sound. It's not coming from me. It's not coming from this side. I can hear it. It's always coming. It has always been coming as, as the speakers are, are talking. I've, I've been listening to it, but in, it's not coming from this side at all. It must be something that is happening within the system. So, okay, thank you, Chair. Uh, and then, given that that amount of distance, given the roads, the terrible status, state of roads in Emkazin, how could you then take a decision apart from the fact that uh, you are in, if informed of the dynamics of the place? Because even in town, in uh, in, in, in in Belfast. There are no roads, Chairperson. There is nothing in Machado Top. There are no drainage systems. There is absolutely nothing. So it, that, that is town and township I'm, I'm referring to. What about people that are in farms as far away as Pozi, as far away down, 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 down the, 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 the farm areas? And then you say, 
they must go as far as we can. I don't understand that. I need clarity in terms of that. Thank you. So, Mr. Thank you, uh, Honourable Goodness. Maybe my sister, I think I'm going to turn in a lot of things. That makes it to miss some of my issues. I should think, uh, I'll be near you and the it's happening. Honorable Chair, we can't hear you clearly. Hello? You can hear me clearly, even now. Can you hear me? We can hear you a little now better. Now it's better. It's better. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what is taking it's taking some dips, uh, Chairperson, but we, we at times pick you up, at times you are lost. If I switch off my video, you can hear me even now. We can pick you up clearly now, Chair. It's better now. It's better now. Much better. Yes. Okay. I was still talking to MEC. Manzini and MCMC, the plans, disasters, because the province uh, itself and the, the health department must be able to deal with all the disasters. Do we have such plans as prescribed by the Disaster Management Act? Uh, 38 requires the Department of Health to have a provincial health disaster management plan for all health-related risks. That's what Section 38 of the Disaster Act says. My question was that to you, when will it be in place? I didn't hear you commenting on that one. Then also, to see me with regard to the Provincial Disaster Management Plan, SP Section 39. Uh, I didn't hear you confirming whether it's there or not. If it's there, are you able to share with us the copy of such? The same thing, I raised the issue of the province being a tourist attraction, MEC, uh, because I should be the responsible for that. And then we wanted to know whether there is a plan to monitor compliance of the tourism establishment within and with regard to the meeting. Then the, that's the issue that the other issue that I didn't hear MEC and HUD coming strongly. I asked to say what will be the department in the province considered to be the flagship or leader of the COVID-19 response for long-term improvement of the provincial health and then ask what are the details of the plan and budget for that particular noting that the pro province always 
sense the patient took out. And I had that. I wanted to understand what would be the flagship out of what they are doing, the legacy project out of that. The other issue that I asked, because in relation to all the plans, that was the issue to, to ask with regard to the economic recovery plan premium. I had you promising to talk to bring us the mining matters report plans in relation to that. But I didn't think that you go, you went in detail to address the issue of the economic recovery plan, if it's there, the details thereof, or is it one that you're going to submit as well? Because wanted to know the commitment of the private sector towards its implementation. In the whole presentation, we only had the private donating beds or hospitals there. Then the other issue arise about this, with regard to the economic recovery plan, because municipality has just adopted their IDPs during this lockdown period. As you assess this IDPs emissions, and the premier SSCO did the municipalities attempt to express the economic recovery plans in their IDPs. That's the point that one wanted clarity on. So if we do well, there won't be any other follow-up. MEC Matlango, can we try to, to respond so that we can all go we can go to bed, all of us now. Yes, start. You can start. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Mama. We've got disaster management plan in accordance to the disaster plan of 2002 and section 38. In the three districts of the province, we've got district disaster management centers. You will understand that disaster is multi-faceted. It depends if it is um, the wash of. Um, I can make practical example. MSMCB, before you proceed, that should be in terms of section 39, not 38. 38 yes. is the health one. Yes. Yeah, section 39, yes. Yes. I'm saying we've got the three district centers in the three district municipalities of our province. Now, it depends just in 2016, towards the end of 2016, where the disaster, where Kanyamazana was hit by a storm. The disaster management center of the province, because we also got the provincial disaster center, because it was much more closer. We, the, the province directly worked with the Etanzeni disaster center and the Department of Human Settlement. That's why now we're working with the Department of Health in relation. So in short and long, we've got the, the plan according to the Act. In terms of the IDP um, submitted and the budget, some municipalities, yes, some no. That's why we have utilized Section 32 of the Systems Act to correct to them to say, the president has called that post-COVID-19, we must have economic plans that speak to the challenges of the economy of the country. Your, we will tell each municipality that your plan does not speak to that. Can you please respond? 
So we are waiting for them to bring back the reports. And after that, we'll, co we'll, we'll consolidate the report and submit it to you, Chair. Um, uh, these are the two issues that you, you have raised with COCTA, if I am correct, the issue of um, the ITPs and the economic recovery, recovery on municipalities and the issue of planning the province. Thanks. Thank you, Chairperson. In terms of if whether there are any discrepancies in terms of what the department are saying vis-a-vis -vis what the Honorable Premier did, remember that there was a, a, a report that was presented as uh, by the provincial treasurer. So the premier looking at a different price, hence we are saying there's going to be an investigation. And in that investigation, it means the department will be afforded an opportunity to state their case and explain in terms of what informed the different prices. So hence we must wait for the investigation. And in the case of the Department of Health, the premier indicated that there is SIU in the Department of Health. Hence those reports will then be able to say if whether uh, there were any um, inflation of prices and whatsoever. The Premier is doing the investigation so that the Department can be afforded an opportunity to state their case in terms of the prices that were seen in terms of the, the, the Treasury report that was presented. In terms of the quarantine site, the Makazeni, whether in terms of the distance, remember that when you test positive, the Department will use, uh, use our own transport to collect you to a quarantine site Previously, it was for 14 days, so you're not, you're not going to be traveling every day from Emakazen to a quarantine site. Because Chepa said also, we're not going to open all, have quarantine sites in all the different areas. Meanwhile, uh, in terms of the positive cases that we're having, hence, at the beginning, we're using MRTT. Because we could not have all the quarantine sites in all the different municipalities, where we will have one. Emakazen, we have one institute and all that. It means we have more, more human resources uh, catering for a, a few people. Hence, we decided to say, let's use certain uh, quarantine facilities. And, and as and when there was a need, we're going to extend to different areas. But where we are, we have seen that uh, we can live with the quarantine facilities that we're having as a province. And the issue of uh, roads and everything, uh, of course, public works and the local municipalities, we are working with them in terms of dealing with the, making sure that there is maintenance of the different roads in the, in, in, in the province. But uh, where we are seated, we are able to take all the patients in the whole province to the different quarantine facilities that we are supposed to take them to. And uh, hence we are saying that uh, it, it is not even at the cost of the, the patient because as a department, we are responsible for all the positive cases in the province. If we are and anywhere in the province, we're able to collect you because we've got dedicated ambulances that are taking our patient from one area to the other. Uh, Chair, in terms of the legacy project, we have indicated that uh, in terms of project, the HOD indicated that you've got your Ferrero, you've got your Tonga, you've got your Petal. Uh, also, in terms of the field, the ICU extension, Rob Ferrero, that we're going to do, and uh, also with Bank. That's what we're going to do. Maybe also over and above what we have. We have, we have now started to practice is that uh, we, we launched the clinic-based model where we are saying in terms of the primary health care, we want to intensify the primary health care, making sure that our people now know their health data in at that level and, 
also in terms of knowing each and every patient, especially those with comorbidities, and uh, have, making sure that they are stable, making sure that uh, also the, when we started in terms of the COVID chair, you remember that we, we, we were saying those that are, were not uh, were a little bit stable in the different hospitals so that our bed utilization are not always full. So it's something that we are learning to say how to manage uh, the patient at that level. So we can indicate that in terms of what you said, in Roferere, we have also started, um, we are working with the vets to assist us in terms, remember that we don't have a university uh, where we are providing, uh, we don't have a health uh, 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 faculty in University of Mpumala. Um, Hence, we are working with uh, your vets in the University of Pretoria in terms of making sure that uh, your, your two tertiary hospitals, which is your, which is your Whitbank and your now we have started to introduce um, the chemo, to introduce, to introduce the, 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 the um, uh, what is the, the, the um, oncology. Oncology unit, you know, it's at night now, 12 o'clock. Oncology unit, the chair and, and national is supporting us in that regard because of exactly what we are saying. Us and your Limpopo and the, the, the Northwest, we rely on housing. But now National is going to support us to make sure that we expand. Hence, they are going to make sure that our people now have started uh, in, in terms of uh, using Ropferera and are going to expand because we have been promised that you're going to support us in that regard. So, of course, uh, Chair, there are certain ways that we are learning out of this COVID-19 that will continue to make sure that this, this is the way that you're going to provide quality service. But, of course, as the province we said from the beginning, even when... Other provinces were identifying field hospital in your stadium and everything. Our approach has been different to say, let us invest on the infrastructure that we are having. Like to, uh, today, I'm from a, a, a CHD in, in, in JS Morocco, where we have improved the CHD, where we're going to have the isolation area in that area, meaning that even post COVID 19, that people of that area in Marapiana then will be able to have a facility that can assist them moving forward. So we are looking at investment in terms of dealing with COVID-19 rather than uh, things that will be temporary and the people are not going to uh, use use uh, after the COVID-19. We look at Kwamshanga where we had the challenge of maternity and, and, and uh, uh, where most people were having challenge in terms of our infrastructure. We are improving that and also we are going to put a field hospital in that facility. So there are things that we are doing and uh, that we want it to be sustainable even post uh, uh, COVID-19. The issue of uh, monitor tourists for COVID-19, of course, we are going to work with the, the SAPS because in, in, a, in the province, we wanted to be investing more in behavioral change for people to understand the need to say, even now that we are at level two, but the manner in which they should behave should be uh, the manner that to make sure that they are not infected wherever, as much as they will be going to town, they will be going to work, but the manner in which they conduct themselves, they will be able not to be infected. So, of course, in terms of tourists, we will work with economic development so that all the tourists, especially in your at the hotel, at the restaurant, they, 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 they enforce the compliance because that's where we need to, to enforce our uh, the regulation in terms of making sure that, hence, as a department, we are even monitoring a we were going to the mines, we were going to the restaurant, your malls and everything, because we know that all these uh, people need to comply. If they don't, then it means it will be better to us as a department. And hence, we've got different teams that are assisting also in that regard, making sure that the people comply in terms of their health protocol. Thank you, Chair.
Bremenia. Thank you, Chairperson. With regard to the question of the investigation, I think we need to wait for the outcomes of the investigation before uh, we may comment on these uh, allegations. Chairperson, uh, uh, as the province, we will forward the response for the question that we did not do well, with your permission. Okay. Because now I'm not in a position of giving some response. It will be cool. Uh, colleagues, I think, there's somebody who was whom I didn't recognize who wants to say something out of the Pumalana delegation. Yes, Chair. Oh, yes, Chair. MEC Social Development, my apologies. Okay, thank you, Chairperson. I think there's one uh, question where we did not respond as a department, why we removed uh, people or the homeless people from the street uh, without uh, uh, having a budget. We want to report yes. to the portfolio yes. committee that we were supported by national. It was within our regulations that we had to uh, remove a, a, a people uh, that are homeless from the streets and place them in in places of of, of safety, as as uh, advised or, or guided by national. And they did support us but not in everything. They supported us in terms of the blankets, in terms of uh, uh, food. But then, because these people are staying in uh, are people that belongs to municipalities, somehow we had to uh, uh, work together in terms of uh, municipalities providing halls a, 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 a where we, we kept most of, of, of these people. But uh, also, we needed uh, security because some of them, uh, they used to sleep, but during the day, uh, they sneaked out and we were so concerned that they will go uh, into the communities and uh, uh, get maybe being, uh, become infected and come back to the center and infect the other uh, 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 people. So that's why a, a chairperson, there's no report of deaths or, or, or rather infections in the uh, homeless uh, centers because also we worked with uh, uh, the Department of Health in terms of providing uh, services like those people that were drug addicts in terms of uh, giving them a, a, a medication and some of them we even took to our uh, treatment centers, those, those that were willing uh, 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 to change uh, in terms of uh, uh, behavior, in terms of uh, using drugs. And we have started a, a, a process of integrating uh, these homeless uh, people with their families. And uh, we can attest to this that we even have um, a, 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 a 
what a, a profile with regards to the integration. Most of them are integrated, but some of them, they even ran back to the streets as uh, the lockdown is eased. So I just wanted to to respond to, to that, Chairperson. And maybe lastly to say, as a department, we were never given a, a budget for, for COVID. Uh, the Command Council uh, um, instructed us as a department to work within our plans. So what we have spent, we spent the budget of the uh, uh, first uh, uh, quarter, and now we're in the process of uh, spending uh, the, the, um, the budget for the second quarter with re regard to social uh, uh, relief in terms of a uh, food parcel so that we can cover uh, those people that were outstanding in terms of the call center and in terms of our our indigent um, a, a, a list. And we want to put it on record that um, a, the, the food uh, that was distributed was distributed by officials of, 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 of departments, no other person, because we did not just give food to people that were not screened, people were screened, assessed, and then thereafter uh, uh, the interventions were made. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you, MEC Shongwe. I think let's, as we close this meeting, let's then uh, move along the lines that uh, MEC McLangu has proposed that all unresponded issues must be submitted to us in writing by Wednesday. I, I'm raising this uh, with regard to the plans, especially the section 38 ones and Section 89 of the Disaster Management Act. I think we all need to be proactive out of the lessons that we've learned in responding to this pandemic, COVID-19. Uh, there seems to be a mixing of operations with the plans. Uh, perhaps if uh, I can ask MEC Manzini to assist that the AG, HOD share with us uh, the health plan that will therefore cover for epidemics, emergency medicine, infrastructure, and EMS. We are raising it because now during disasters, hospitals are getting flooded because there are no measures uh, by provinces to that effect to attend to these matters. So if that plan, if indeed they it can be shared with the committee with the other information that MEC McLango has promised to submit by Wednesday next week. We'll be grateful. The same thing that MEC was saying, operations or plans. So if the same section 89 disaster management plan for the whole province can also be shared with us. We will be very grateful to that effect. Otherwise, colleagues, we want to appreciate yourselves, uh, the emissaries from the province, who get it fit and proper to say that they've got the responsibility to account to parliament, including to the 
communities that we serve, and you made your time to be here with your HODs, MEC for Human Segment, MEC Matlango, MEC for Cocta, MEC Siri, MEC for Education, MEC Majuba, MEC for Health, MEC Manzini, and MEC Shongwe for Social Development. We want to appreciate your coming here together with the uh, management team. Then I will also want to appreciate uh, the team from DCOC. I see DDG Tao still here with us. I think DDG Tashi is here, the CEO of ESA is here, and the COO of SALGA, together with other senior management team from DCOC, they are still in attendance up to now with us. We want to appreciate you, including uh, our committee support staff, the committee secretary and the researcher and the acting content advisor. We want to also appreciate the support that you continue to give this committee. As for you members, you know, I don't, I can't praise the, the, the fish for swimming, but uh, your level of, of commitment strikes me because none of you since we started this meeting has disappeared in the thin space. You are still here, committed, and then I think what we are doing will go a long way in making sure that we, 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 we serve our people better. So I want to thank you also, the support staff from DM Daos office and DM Vapela's office, uh, Reverend Absin, you are still here, Brian and others. So we should, Paul, as always, you are here. We should thank you because Paul is the champion in Mpumalang. Uh, so I, I see you are also attending the meeting. And I think you are the person who will help us also carry forward the matters that are areas of concern for us as a committee, as in when you interact with your counterparts in, in the province. So, colleagues, uh, this meeting was supposed to have attended at 10. So, we went ahead with one hour, 41 minutes. So I still think we must call it a night before it becomes the morning because it's a few minutes before the morning. So that uh, those of us who are attending the women parliament tomorrow, we can be able to do so. So the meeting gets attended. Thank you so much, colleagues. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. 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 Thank you.